This is Bike Talk. And we're going to listen today to the interview that we did uh, about a week ago, a little more, with Tom Labange, City Councilman, 4th District from Los Angeles. And then we're going to have an interview with Jim Brown from the California Bicycle Coalition and a guy named Ryan Jenkins who rode a tall bike uh, 900 and something miles from Troy, New York to Toronto for a bike bike. So first we're going to go into the interview with Tom Labange. Tom LaBonge, hi. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Okay. Um, thanks for calling today. You betcha. Um, you know, you just, so you just had an election. Congratulations. Thank you, Nick. And um, did you expect to win? Yes. Of course. You know, you, when, you, when you go on in the field, you expect to win, and you work hard to win and earn the people's trust. Um, so I've always looked at it, and uh, I worked very hard in the campaign, and my message is strong, and people supported me. What what uh, impact do you think that bicyclists had? I mean, was there? I know that uh, Stephen Box was, is a big bike advocate, and he was running. Um, to, Anyone who votes has a has a has a uh, a stake in it, and that's the key. So if people participate, that's the key to being uh, engaged in an election. Absolutely, and um, so you're kind of a bike advocate yourself. Correct. And so could you give a couple of examples? I know you've got the fourth street. Over the years, no, over the years, I've, I've been a cyclist. I'm a daily hiker in Griffith Park. You catch me walking in Griffith Park any morning between 6 and 7, almost every single day in the year. Uh, and from time to time, I love to jump on a bike. Uh, during my 34-year tenure with uh, the city of Los Angeles, I've been very engaged in a variety of bike issues to improve the opportunities but only recently has there been the momentum to really improve because my work dates back to when they did the first bikeway, uh, which was the Forest Lawn and extension of the Griffith Park North bikeway in, in between Barham and, and Zoo Drive. The Los Angeles River bikeway is instrumental in pushing. The Los Angeles River bike bridge, the Alex Baum bridge at Los Feliz was key to that. Uh, these bikeways along the river are something I've always advocated for and pushed. And then recently, with the 4th Street uh, bike way, uh, we're looking at a variety of other streets uh, for road diets, including parts of 6th Street between Fairfax and Highland, uh, parts of, or Fairfax and La Brea, uh, looking at Oxford and New Hampshire's north-south bike streets, bike boulevards, if you will, <laughs> looking to extend the Chandler Bikeway uh, west from its uh, stop at Coinga uh, and uh, Fountain Avenue with the city of West Hollywood. There's a variety that we're looking at to try to uh, put together the city. Does Ciclavia have anything to do with the promote the success of these? Oh, I think Ciclavia has a lot of celebration for all of uh, what's good about Los Angeles. Whether it's the marathon when people run through the street or close the streets for the bikes, I think it's real important. So, do you think though that, um, that do you think that we're when are we going to get a, a a way to get from the east side to the west side on bikes? Was to totally say. Well, what's the east side to you? Well, let's say East LA, the other side of downtown, or just downtown. Right. 
Basically, you have competing interest now on First Street with the uh, extension of the Gold Line, which is challenging. Then you go over to 4th Street, which is a mixed flow street, which is challenging. And then you have 6th Street, which is uh, basically uh, four lanes with very little breathing room, very challenging. And then you have 7th Street, which is right off the truck route from uh, the interstates, uh, which is very challenging. So in any of the new bridges that are, uh, well, what I would say, rebuilt, you'll have to see them create space for cycling. Uh, that separates them, I believe, from the tightness of the existing bridges. The bridges are very tight. So these are these are kind of reasons why it's hard to get a dedicated bike lane. Well, from. right now, if you know those bridges at all, you have uh, you have four lanes only on the Sixth Street Bridge. There's no room other than what's there, uh, and uh, then you have the the Fourth Street Bridge, which is a big slow bridge. You know what a mixed slow bridge is? Oh, in the morning, it's three lanes in, and the uh, afternoon, it's three lanes out. You know okay. that type of deal. They actually change it, the center lane, uh, on all those. But I, but you know, I'm open to if people have an idea, I'm open to look at it. I'm going to be focusing on my district, which will mainly be hard focus on uh, Bikeway North uh, through the Universal City along the river, not through the hills, which they are proposing. Through the hills, I support it only on the river. That's key. I, I uh, am looking at New Hampshire and at Oxford as north-south streets that are we should try to encourage bike activity on, which parallel major streets. I truly believe Los Angeles has big traffic on big streets, and uh, I always worry about the buses, the deterioration of the street caused by weight, and uh, the challenge to those who are on cycles. They try to get them on streets that are not as busy, but parallel to those busy streets. So. So, so do you do you see LA becoming one of the bike cities, the best bike cities, perhaps the best? No, I think you're going to see uh, Los Angeles. I think what happens is universities. You know, what I want to see is USC connect with downtown and bikes. Mm-hmm. I want to see UCLA connect, you know, with West LA and Santa Monica City and uh, with bikes. And it's it's kind of like a, a hub and a, a spoke theory for me, meaning you put all these spokes together, you'll have a system. And, and and a lot of it starts from universities. I like to see uh, uh, Occidental College in Highland Park. I've you know seen the work they've done on York Boulevard with the bicycle corral and the bike lane along there. They got to look at Eagle Rock Boulevard as an option. There's a, because the red car. A lot of these streets were wide, and uh, they pulled out the rails. And now it's three lanes. Maybe they only could use two lanes and create that one lane for bikes. What's the red car? I'm sorry. Red car was the mass transit system Los Angeles had up until 1961, oh, yeah. which were which were called the red car. They were run by what was then the MTA, not the same MTA that we have today, and it was a very significant transit system, one of the best in the nation. But after the war, there was nothing but land and cheap gas, so they destroyed the system, and we lost that opportunity. The uh, Chandler Line in uh, in the Valley for the Orange Line. That's an old freight line, so so using rail lines and, and you know make rails to trails, bike ways if you can. If you can. Yeah. It's uh, it's up to the people to push for it. Everybody, but there's competing interests. Whether it's the motorist, whether it's the pedestrian. You know, right now, I'm concerned about safety for pedestrians and cyclists because a lot of people are riding on on sidewalks, and there becomes a an overload. 
and I think the bike's got to take their rightful space, but we've got to create that space for them uh, in the traffic flow lanes. Uh, I've traveled the world and seen other cities, and primarily dense, more densely populated cities, more transit-dependent cities where they have been more accommodating for cycling. That's why in the district I represent, looking at streets like Oxford, Commonwealth, if you will, uh, on the east side, uh, Oxford, New Hampshire, uh, north-south streets, and then complementary east-west streets to try to create the space for people to ride. Well, it seems like if you just had like a like, uh, if you could just give people a way to go from from one end of the city all the way to the other, you know, it would. Do you do you think? Do you believe that uh, if you if you build it, they'll come? Do you believe that, or do you believe that we need to? Uh, yeah, I got to make it safe, you know, because people are uh, are riding in a variety of ways. Whether they're riding on the sidewalks right into the streets and then back up the sidewalks, whether they're riding on the wrong way of the street, which I've seen a number of times. Uh, whether there is not any space or there's just a gutter, uh, which is bad for anybody riding uh, on a decayed street. So, but basically, I think to be successful in a city of 472 square miles, you got to do it inch by inch, row by row, and you got to start neighborhood to neighborhood. So, if Occidental College and Eagle Rock connect to Pasadena and Glendale and to Silver Lake, that's one thing. And if uh, and then they connect, Silver Lake connects with Hollywood and West Hollywood. That's another. And then that connects with Miracle Mile and and Southwest LA. That's another. So it all hobbles together. What about a freeway? I mean, the, the cars get a freeway. Well, the cost is extremely expensive, so yes. and the, uh, the taxes that you pay for freeways uh, now is being challenged because more people are, yeah, no more people are driving uh, uh, less miles or whatever, the, you know, because of the cost of gasoline. So it's the cost. Either when they had the red line, no, excuse me, the red car, that if there was a visionary then to speak up for those right-of-ways to create right-of-ways for transit and for bicycles, It'd be a lot easier, but right now it's challenging. So, um, how much do you want to pay? Of my personal taxes? Yeah. For a bike freeway? In addition to what you pay now. Well, you know, I'll, I'll be willing to chip in. I know, but what percentage? How do you work it? You know, right now we used to have bike licenses, but now that's been discontinued. So, trying to find a revenue source for anything that we do is a key to the future success of. Uh, of anything the government does. What what? Other Where do you live? I live on in near MacArthur Park, actually, Ed Reyes District. On what street? It's Sixth uh, and uh, Carondelet. Right, very tight through there, right by uh, Rampart, right? Yeah. Yeah, very tight. Sixth Street is, and then you have to compete with the buses, which are tight. So. I was I was gonna say uh, yeah well, so so where do you add the bike lanes? That's the challenge, you know. That's the challenge. Do, do you have any ideas that, that are really exciting to you? Uh, I think if you look at uh, the north-south streets, like I said, of Oxford and of uh, New Hampshire, certainly the Los Angeles River, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for me, is mm -hmm. key. Fountain Avenue west of Bronson is key because you could do things there. There's you could do things on, on Fountain? Uh-huh. Right. Got... Lane, lane configuration with West Hollywood. I've talked to the city of West Hollywood. So there's a lot of things that got to be done, and then you've got to work with the community because sometimes you may impact their parking, and parking is a challenge for both residents and businesses. So there's a variety of collaboration that has to be uh, done. 
So, and with the budget cuts, you've been in, in the city government for what, like 35, 45 years? Yeah, a long time. Do, do you, uh, how do you see these budget cuts? How, how Real severe, but there is a, a commitment by the mayor and the council to use uh, the Prop uh, R funds for, uh, for transit. Yeah, so that was a commitment. You know, familiar with that? Prop R, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, what is it, like $30 million? I believe that's the number. Over? Measure R. Over 20 years or something? Right, right. And so is, are we experiencing, the, like, a, what could be a renaissance in uh, transit in L.A.? Oh, I, I think you in a variety of ways you are. Where, the, where people are, because the, the price of gasoline mm -hmm. uh, drives people. Uh, I think you're seeing also... Uh, the motivation of the youth, instead of getting an old, you know, 57 Chevy, which right. was what in my time, I'm I'm 57, so I can say that. If you had a 57 Chevy, you were the coolest guy in high school. Now, if you got a sharp bike uh, and ride it, you're the healthiest guy in high school. <laughs> but a lot of the youth are riding our bikes on the streets, which, again, builds a constituency, and it changes the values, which is good. Everybody's got to be... Uh, aware of each other and be uh, respectful of each other as we move in the public way. Okay. So, uh, what's coming up for for like the bike events that we should that we should be aware of that you'll be at? Anything anything in the works? Every summer I do a bike tours every Wednesday night, starting in June. So Todd will from my office will keep you posted. Okay. It's a fun ride, not a race. And that's a big thing that uh, I do to help share the city. I think one thing on a bicycle or on foot or on top of a double-decker bus, you see the city in a different way. The one thing about Ciclavia, and I've traveled 7th Street a thousand times in my life, but I never rode a bike on 7th Street. I rode them up through the 2nd Street Tunnel, down Sunset, over 1st, but I never gone down to 7th Street. When I rode on 7th Street, I would mark how beautiful those buildings are. Mm -hmm. And you get that from a bicycle's view, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one thing that uh, causes people to enjoy the city more. Um, yeah, Ciclavia was, was an amazing experience. And, right. And, it, and so there's so much support for, for it in, the, in our government, it seems like. Well, there's, yeah, there's support for a lot of good things, but the competition for the dollar is the key. Mm -hmm. And let's say when you do uh, a street reconfiguration, you have a storm drain system that's there. And to move that is very expensive, or, or curb lines. It's not an inexpensive uh, method. Although there's some, though, that it's just paint, which is much more inexpensive than moving a, a sewer or a, a utility cover. Well, yeah, and, but it, that's another question I, I wanted to ask is that even with something like paint, you know, something that seems so reasonably, relatively inexpensive, right. things take so long. Well, you got to look at all the factors so, and how they affect things. And, our, and we have had a downsizing of those who are responsible. And when we do something, you got to do it to make sure it's done with some procedure. So in the event you do get a, uh, someone who feels the city was unjust and there's a lawsuit, you have to have a, some coverage of process to state why we do what we do so, so that's why they, they have to study stuff but, but but haven't they used this paint for the showers like in a million places do they need to really 
I'm talking about like let's say Sixth Street where you live. Yeah. Okay. Basically, you have a, a number of intersections that have small pockets for left turns. You have a pretty good busy bus line out to uh, Wilton on Sixth. Uh, but it's a potential street if they really if they if they move the buses from sixth to third, let's say, because third's a bigger street. Potentially, possibly, you could create something on Sixth Street because it does have limited bus action. But this bus is enough there, you know. So you got to look at those type of things. Um, I got a couple questions from uh, listeners to this uh, to mm-hmm. bike talk. Well, why is LA behind Orange County? in miles of practical bike lanes and bike paths. Because Orange County is much younger than Los Angeles. Los Angeles is much older. Mm-hmm. You know, the city, the basic city of Los Angeles was laid out in 1781 and years after that. Hoover by Fountain by Exposition by Eastern. So the origi- original city grid. And then the and then in the years following the late 1800s and beyond, the streets grew west, south, north, and east. But in the process, though, it was driven mainly by the automobile as far as engineering. So there wasn't a vision to create a bikeway like there was once uh, from Pasadena down through the Arroyo to downtown. That would have been great if that kept. That was your bicycle freeway. Right. But what they could do then, we couldn't do again? Cost is real important. Yeah. And then there's fixed engineering. I'm sure it's some spots, but in Orange County, remember, that was a virgin land, and it's sometimes easier to do things on virgin land because mm-hmm. you plan it right from the first spot. Um, what about the bike equestrian controversy in uh, Griffith Park? Have, have you still? Have you... Absolutely, yeah. You know, bikes do not belong on the dirt trails in Griffith Park. Those are for the equestrians. There's 56 miles of equestrian trails, and the horses are an important component to nature. And also on those same trails, people walk, run, walk their dogs. I believe it would be over. Uh, it would be a challenge to have a multi-use in the park. And as a daily hiker in the park, I'm extremely familiar. And in the past, I've engaged and had conversation with those who've ridden bikes there, and some have no uh, uh, problem when explained that Mount Hollywood and Vista del Val or or roads closed to cars so they could ride on them Uh, but others you know have a different feeling but it's not controversial it's it's pretty clear uh, that bikes do not belong on the trails in Griffith Park and I support the horses okay do they do the the bikers have kind of paths somewhere nearby Uh, I you know that they do up in the Angeles they do at state parks but in Griffith Park, which is our, quote, central park, which has more hikers, there, there it would be impossible for me in, in good conscience to support uh, multi-use trails uh, for Griffith Park. Do you, who do you like to work with in, in city government and city council uh, when it comes to bike issues? Who else is? I work with anybody who uh, wants to work. Ed Reyes on river issues, which is good. Eric, our city's a champion. Mm-hmm. I work with Eric a lot uh, on He's, issues. Bill Rosendahl. Uh, Janice Hahn, wonderful person. Bernard Parks, head of the finance committee. So I work with everybody. That's good. Um, and you're chairman of the Arts and Parks Health and Aging Committee. So that's a seems like a extremely important uh, position. Yeah, it's a big honor to be on the city council and to be able to contribute to the city. 
All right. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Lubage. Hey. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or let no, us know? we'll go. Okay. We'll get you on one of my rides this summer. And where'd you yeah. grow up? I'm from New York City. Yeah. So New York has been able to do a lot of things special. Oh. And those big wide boulevards that now run north and south help. Or the avenues. The avenues are north and south, right? The the yeah. That's yeah. Sixth right. Avenue and Third Avenue, all that stuff. And, so, well, maybe good. How do you like LA? Well, LA is uh, is is beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Good. I'm glad you like it. We'll meet again sometime. Okay. Thanks, Todd. Thank we'll you. be in touch. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that was Tom LeBonge, and now we got on the phone Jim Brown from the California Bicycle Coalition. And Jim, hi. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for being here. Um, I uh, So... So we got you on the phone today about uh, Senate Bill 910. Um, the What do you call it? Well, we've been calling it the safe passing bill. Um, other states call these uh, three-foot passing bills. It's kind of the generic term for them. The, the, I'm sorry, the what? Three-foot passing bills. It's oh. kind of the generic term for them. Most of these kinds of bills uh, would impose a three-foot passing distance for motorists when they pass bicyclists from behind. What's the rule now? It's kind of vague, right? The rule simply says that a one vehicle overtaking another vehicle uh, must must do so at a safe distance. Um, but there's no definition of what safe is. And if you've ever ridden a bicycle, you know that um, uh, bicyclists and motorists have a, a wildly different idea of what a safe passing distance is. Right. Like for a car, it could be an inch. It could be an inch. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the consequences of colliding because... Uh, you know, a 10-mile-an-hour a, a fender bender between two cars is uh, not an injury event. It's not even necessarily that expensive or damaging. But the same, the same collision between a, uh, a car and a bike can be uh, deadly. Um, passing from behind uh, collisions are um, fairly uncommon with bicycling, but they're the most deadly form of collision. They're the leading cause of deaths among bicyclists. Mm -hmm. So this bill would, um, well, I, I'm just wondering, you know, well, first of all, if you could describe the, the full, uh, you know, purview of the bill. The, the bill amends the uh, vehicle code section that talks about safe passing, and it, and it specifies that when the, um, the vehicle being passed is a bicycle, the vehicle doing the passing, in this case the motor vehicle, has to give at least three feet of clearance to the bicycle. And um, so it specifically uh, relates to passing from behind uh, situations. And uh, there's some, it, it also authorizes uh, motorists to cross the double yellow center line if that's what's needed in order to give a bicyclist enough space. Um, currently, crossing the double yellow line is not legal, and this would um, allow for that. So, um, and then the the bill also includes some penalties um, for violating the law. So there's a a, a pretty stiff fine connected with uh, any violation of a law that results in an injury. Uh, the fine for a non-injury violation is the same as for unsafe passing 
which is kind of the generic uh, violation on the books right now. What the fine for violating the three-foot rule would be the same as for unsafe passing? For unsafe passing, but if it involves an injury, if the, if the, if the unsafe passing results in the injury of a bicyclist, then the fine is, the base fine is $220, which is, when you add in court costs and other fees, is about 960 bucks. So it's a pretty stiff fine. But the real thing here, I mean, I don't know, how, you know, how much of a difference it's going to make in terms of enforcement. If, if it, but I, I would, I, I don't know, maybe it will. But I'm guessing that the real um, change that's going to happen is because of just the, the legal way of thinking about about bike riders and, and rights. Well, you know, the way I've been thinking about it is that you know we have a definition of. We have speed limits as a way to define what is, safe, what is a safe speed under any condition. And so what we're really doing is we're defining what safe passing is when it involves a motor vehicle passing a bicyclist. So it's, in my mind, it's on that level of difference. Now, obviously, the, the, uh, the police are not out there um, uh, citing everybody who exceeds the speed limit. And it's, you know, it's unrealistic to assume that, that law enforcement is going to begin ticketing motorists for passing bicyclists too close if that's all that they do. You know, if there's no injury and there's nothing else that happens, um, probably we're not going to see a whole lot of enforcement of those things. But it, but, but it does a couple of things. Like you say, it, it, um, it gives us the force of law behind being able to go to the public and say this is what safe means and the law says this is what safe means and we need to be uh, we need to be a lot more mindful of the safety of um, bicyclists on the road uh, so that's that's a big effect um, it also it also you know signals to to anybody who might be interested in riding a bicycle that uh, that it is possible to do so safely. A lot of people who want to ride bicycles, they believe in the health benefits, the economic benefits, the environmental benefits, say they don't want to ride their bikes because they don't feel the roads are safe. And so we've got this huge pent-up um, uh, demand for more bicycling if we can try to begin to solve some of the safety concerns. And this is one way to begin doing that. So um, you're with the you're the communications director, Jim Brown, from the California Bicycle Coalition in Sacramento. And is this a big project for you guys? Is this the culmination of a long fight? We've been working on safety issues for a long time. Um, for example, we introduced an earlier version of this bill about five years ago, um, Assembly Bill 60, and we. In our first committee hearing, we met a huge amount of opposition from the California Highway Patrol, the trucking industry, and transit drivers. And the bill stopped dead in its tracks, and we didn't, couldn't get it to go any further. And so we began looking at other, um, ways, other ways to address safe, uh, safe road conditions. Uh, we, we went on to uh, sponsor the Complete Streets Act, um, Assembly Bill 1358, which changes the way we approach the planning of street networks, and it's part of a national movement to uh, really look at street networks and how they accommodate all road users and not just motorists. Currently, we're dealing with a 
a road system that's really designed around the uh, characteristics of motor vehicles, um, even though these roads are used by um, people on foot, on bicycles, uh, transit drivers, transit riders and drivers. And so um, we've, we've been trying to look at other ways to approach the question of safety. And then this last summer, when um, Mayor Villaraigosa uh, took a fall on a bicycle and started thinking a lot more uh, uh, closely about safety issues, uh, his office approached us to say they would like to sponsor a three-foot passing bill, and would we work with them on that? And 16 other states have similar laws on the books, and we saw this as an opportunity to try one more time to, to get this bill through. And, um, you know, it makes a huge difference when you've got the, uh, when you've got the uh, high-profile uh, mayor of Los Angeles on your side. Um, and, and this has proven to be a, a really popular issue. We just, we just hadn't expected it to, uh, to get this much attention, and we're really pleased about that. And so you got more letters in, on this than in just before the hearing than you usually get? We did. We had a hearing on this bill uh, on the 3rd in the Senate Transportation Committee, and this was the first policy committee hearing on the Senate side where the bill was introduced. And about a week before, we reached out to uh, local bike advocacy organizations and cycling clubs around the state, and they put the word out through their networks, and we generated something like 50, uh, 50 or more support letters for the bill that were sent to the to the chairman of the committee, Mark Desagne, and uh, we also generated an uncounted number of letters that went to the individual members of the committee uh, by their constituents. And um, 50 doesn't sound like a whole lot of letters, but it's a really big response. Um, and it's certainly more letters than we have uh, seen generated for other bills that we've been involved with. So this is really an encouraging sign. And does it just show the, the awareness of, of biking in general, you think? Oh, I think so. And it shows the, it, to me, it, 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 it demonstrates how important the specific issues of safety on the road and, and sharing the road are to people. Um, the, the emails we've received, the phone calls we've received have been almost entirely um, enthusiastic and supportive. And people saying, you know, is there anything I can do? Um, I had a law firm call me to say, we have a client who wants to support your campaign and they want, just want to know what they can do. I mean, that's never happened before. So, and and that, was, that was completely unsolicited. So we're, you know, people are showing up and saying it's about time we did something about this. So, what, was, what was the law firm? It was a law firm in Monterey. Um, so, so, and what else are you doing? So when is this... Um, before I say what else, what, when is this being voted on? Well, the next step is to go to the um, Senate Appropriations Committee. Um, that's the money committee on the Senate side. We don't expect to be the, the bill to, to uh, require much attention in that, um, on that side because there won't be any state appropriations uh, for the bill because we're not creating a state program, so there's nothing to be funded here. And um, <clears throat> so we figure that hearing is probably going to go pretty smoothly. Uh, and then the bill moves over to the assembly side. It'll be a little tougher on the assembly side. The Assembly Transportation Committee is a little more, uh, a little more conservative 
in the way that they look at these kinds of bills. Um, so we'll be we'll be working closely uh, to make sure that we we land that solidly when that hearing comes up. We don't have a date for that. Um, it, you know, a lot of this has to do with what the legislature is working on in terms of the state budget. Everything is kind of slowed down right now. Okay. So, but just right now, it's gotten past the, the initial hearings. Yep. Senate Transportation Committee, and then, <coughs> excuse me, this last Thursday in Long Beach, we held a fundraiser with Bike Station and a couple of other local partners, and um, in, Long we, in Long Beach, and we raised uh, we raised some money for. Uh, the Bicycle Coalition and for this campaign, and we announced the launch of what we're calling the Give Me Three campaign. Um, we've been very fortunate that the city of Los Angeles and the partners who developed the Give Me Three poster campaign that ran in the city uh, last, late last summer, early in the fall, have given us that poster campaign for our statewide campaign. And so we have this terrific terrific graphic and um, we're we're uh, we're building our public awareness campaign around this the other thing we're thinking about is that you know when this bill is passed we've got a whole lot of work to do to educate people so uh, we're really trying to start early to build awareness uh, on this issue so it's amazing what can happen from uh, one fall off a bike from them by the mayor it certainly is I'm, I mean I'm sorry that that's what it took uh, but we're really fortunate at, to have his uh, uh, his interest and engagement on this, and uh, everybody else that's involved. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and there's something else. The 345. Can you want to mention that? Or? Yes, uh, Assembly Bill 345 is is more of a technical bill, and it um, it it simply says that uh, Caltrans, when it forms an advisory committee on um, on uh, traffic control devices, which are sign signals and pavement markings, uh, when they form such a committee, they need to include all, representatives of all roadway users. And what this is really aimed at is uh, trying to open up the Caltrans process to allow for uh, more of the kinds of uh, innovative facilities that you're seeing in Long Beach. So, for example, there is a California uh, traffic Control Devices Committee, which advises Caltrans. It's created by Caltrans, not through state law, and that's why our bill doesn't specifically talk about this committee, but talks more generally about Caltrans and the committees that it creates. And um, that's an interesting committee. They, ha they, they set state standards for traffic signs, signals, pavement markings such as bike lanes and crosswalks, and yet the only roadway users represented on that committee are two seats that are given to the California State Automobile Association and the Automobile Club of Southern California. And uh, from what I understand, those representatives rarely attend the meetings. Um, otherwise, there are no roadway users actually represented on this committee. And the reason that matters is that innovative facilities such as bike boxes and um, buffered bike lanes are considered traffic control devices, and it's that committee that grants requests for experimentation from communities who want to try out these facilities. Um, the requests for experimentation are not required by law, but a lot of communities want to do this, go through this process, because it, um, it ensures that they are 
being careful. It demonstrates that they're being careful on how they do it, and they have some official purview. So when you have a committee like the uh, Traffic Control Devices Committee that doesn't represent anybody but motorists uh, looking at things like requests to experiment on bike lanes, um, a lot of communities are simply discouraged uh, about trying out these facilities. So we see this reform as the first step towards opening up Caltrans' process to uh, support innovative facilities like the kind you're seeing in places like Long Beach. Uh, innovative facilities like? Well, like uh, like green lanes, like right. um, buffered bike lanes, those kinds of facilities. Yeah, like how, how, I mean, you're saying that this bill would, would make it require uh, all road users to be on any committee, Caltrans committee, having to do with the um, traffic control. Yeah. And, and and it's just amazing to think that that wasn't already the case and that they were in charge of making, you know, what, what could have been bike-friendly, um, you know, what do you call it, traffic control? Devices. Oh, it is. It's absolutely surprising. And, you know, there's been quite a struggle going on over the last three or four years to try to get more um, bicyclist input into some of these decisions. Um, and we've We've benefited from the efforts of um, Christine Kehoe from San Diego, who helped us uh, uh, make an arrangement with the Caltrans so that when a, an issue before the uh, Traffic Control Devices Committee involved bicyclists, uh, they were to notify the California Bicycle Advisory Committee, which is another advisory committee within Caltrans, and um, a member of CBAC could participate in the committee's discussion as an ex officio member. Um, but there have been some problems with uh, prior notification, and it, it's, a, it's an imperfect solution. It's much better than we've had, but, but it raises the real question. If this is a, the California Department of Transportation, why aren't they accommodating um, all forms of transportation? And this is a this is a just a glaring example of, of where they fall short. You know, I, I got a, a my a co DJ here named Chicken Lawyer, and he would like to ask you a question about the Amgen tour, if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Here you go. Hey, um, Jim, I, I'm I'm just wondering how things like uh, these big races, like the Amgen race, actually translate into getting some sort of uh, um, visibility to to everyday bike riders that don't necessarily use their bike for recreational or racing purposes, but use it for basic transportation, it sounds like. Does that really translate? Have you noticed that in, in any of your uh, studies? It's, 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 it's hard to tell for sure because data collection in the bicycling world is, um, is, really, um, is really spotty, and this just has to do with how, how um, public agencies collect data about road users. Um, it's a lot easier to do this with cars than it is to do it with bicycles. So it's not clear. Uh, it, 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 there's no way to measure the exact impact that the Amgen Tour has on um, greater public awareness of, of of everyday bicycling. But you know, it's a it's a it's it's certainly inspiring to a lot of people, and um, and we are trying to. Uh, engage more with the Amgen Tour. So, for example, on Monday, I'll be staffing an exhibit for our Give Me Three campaign at the Amgen Tour Lifestyle Festival that will be held in Sacramento, where the second stage of the of the tour ends on Monday afternoon. Oh, 
Excellent. Yeah, and, you know, they expect, you know, 25,000 people to be at this event. And if I can talk to even a small portion of them and hand them a give-me-three button and some literature, uh, these are folks who might feel inspired to check out what we're talking about. I think people innately care about being safe, um, particularly parents care about uh, keeping their kids safe. And um, so this is a, this is a uh, kind of a bedrock issue for folks. And I think um, we'll, I'll be very interested to see what kind of response we get. I suspect we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to see a lot of interest on Monday. Okay. Well, I think actually, wait, here, you had a follow up. Sure. Well, uh, it's funny because we, we see all this uh, visibility during bike week. I'm just wondering, um, if with that mind of safety, I, I know that uh, Friday is going to be bike to school week here in Los Angeles, and I'm I'm thinking it, it's 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 city, uh, excuse me, statewide, right? I'm not sure about bike to school day on Friday statewide. It, mm. it could well be a lot of the bike to the National Bike Month activities kind of happen all over the calendar, and communities right. do it in different in different weeks of the of the month of May. Uh-huh. And and your question about that. Well, my, my question was, if, if it is statewide, it brings more visibility. It, it seems that uh, this might be an opportunity to, to work that issue of safety that you're talking about with kids into it. Absolutely. I mean, we're, you know, one of the, one of the consequences of, of, of SB 910 has been uh, we're getting more media attention. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you guys today, and um, we haven't done that before. And I've got several other interviews lined up in the, in the next week. And uh, that signals some interest um, in, uh, in this issue in, in a wider way. So I'm hoping that we are starting to have more opportunities to talk more publicly about what's going on. Well, and you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, you, you go. I was just going to have a kind of a closing kind of a thing. Sure. I, I was just going to say that, uh, we, you know, feel free to call us all the time because uh, we could, we'd love to have more news from you guys. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity and the invitation. This has been great, and um, I would um, love to keep you uh, keep you informed about how this is going. It's 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 pretty exciting to see what's happening, and and I want to I want to make the most of this. Yeah, and, and definitely keep us apprised uh, of every little development. Yeah, your your interest is huge. I mean, this makes this makes such a difference. Um, you know. It, we're we're on the leading edge of something big, I think, and yeah. and um, and this is a great place to be. So I really appreciate the invitation today. Wow, thanks a lot, Jim. All right, take care, Nick. Okay, take care, you too. Bye. Bye. That was Jim Brown, communications director for the California Bicycle Coalition. Wow, quite quite a uh, an intuitive kind of uh, individual there. I. Uh, it, it seems that the CBC all over, not only the state, but including in our own backyard, is, uh, is sort of stepping up to the task of uh, not only uh, getting more riders out there and making them aware, but uh, making them safe while they do ride. Yeah, I mean, we've never, I, I mean, I, I only ever thought of the L.A. CBC. I, I, you know, I never think about the, the big one. Yeah, me too. In Sacramento. Um, but that was Jim Brown, communications director. And um, before that, we heard the Tom LeBonge interview on uh, everything about bikes in L.A. Uh-huh. So that was pretty cool. I, Tom, Tom uh, uh, coincidentally, was last year's Golden Spoke. And the only reason I bring it up is everybody's going, what's a Golden Spoke? Um, it's not some sort of like being born with a, a, a spoon in your... Where was that from? 
being we're, we're looking at a picture of 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 you on Facebook <laughs> on our oh, friend, friends. Oh, somebody Facebooked me. Can I unfriend that person now? Oh. <laughs> I needed a better. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, uh, uh, the golden spoke is not like some rich kid thing where you're born with a golden spoke in your mouth. Yeah. Though, though that would be a kind of a cool ass kind of. Not only uh, with piercing and stuff, but... Uh, um, like a golden spoke through your lip? Right. But I I'd, I'd like to believe also... He, he actually was going to call in the, the guy on the phone. He said he would call back. But in, anyway, uh, as we do our, our on-camera, off-camera speaking to you, um, Tom was the recipient of the golden spoke, which was involved with the blessing of the bikes. Every year they make an attempt to find who was the most instrumental in making it... Uh, uh, bike friendlier and uh, bikes is part of, uh, I guess, a health issue and everything else. And uh, last year it was Tom, and this year apparently uh, Andy Likas, who does the um, um, the big blessing of the bikes slash uh, presentation over there at uh, Good Samaritan that's happening this Tuesday at uh, eight in the morning, uh, is going to be giving the golden spoke. Should we should we break out the news? Should we be the first? Oh yeah, thing? absolutely. Do you have uh, some news? Ragoza is going to get it. Oh, Lo and behold. Isn't that I, insane? I, I, I didn't know that's what you were going to say. Well, wow. that's who's getting it. He's getting the Golden Spoke. Op, a photo op Golden Spoke Award, it says here, recipient. And apparently, uh, there's a long email that he's done. Uh, I know uh, his uh, PR person, or I, I hate PR because, you know, I can think of all the other things besides public relations that PR goes with, you know. <laughs> like what? We won't go there. Okay. But anyway, uh, the Blessing of the Bikes, that's this uh, Tuesday, the 17th of May, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. And you're going, why Why are we mentioning this? Well, it's bike week. I'm not going that. You're not going to go to that? I mean, I'm not going, why are we mentioning this? I think I've, I've gone go to every... I regardless. I'm, I'm trying to try to get as many bike things under my belt. Uh, I, and so <laughs> in a few minutes, we're going to have a calendar of all the bike events as you uh, get on the phone. And uh, well, there's the phone. Bike talk. Hey, this is Ryan. Ryan, thanks for calling. Ryan, yeah, no Ryan, um, I'm here with my uh, co-DJ host here, Chicken Leather, and and uh, we. Well, this is Ryan Jenkins, who rode a tall bike from Troy, New York, to Bike Bike in Toronto, which is and back, which is how far? Uh, it was about I think it was about 980 miles total. And it's a tall bike, so can you describe that? Uh, yeah, so it was basically a, uh, about a 57 centimeter, 56 centimeter road bike, uh, welded on top of a, another 56 centimeter road bike. So the seat was about seven and a half feet off the ground. Um, and yeah, so I rode that there and back, uh, with a, a touring group of about eight other people. And over 16 days. Who's your group? Um, the group was a, a bunch of friends and us. Uh, we, we're called Detroit Bike Rescue. It's a, a nonprofit bike recycling and education program in Troy, New York. And we've been wanting to go on tour for a long time. And Bike Bike is kind of like this yearly gathering of all of these awesome bike collectives throughout the United States and parts of Canada. And we kind of decided we were going to do a bike tour there and then as the date grew near we kind of were daring each other to try to ride our tall bikes there so a couple of us decided that we were going to do that and uh yeah 
I mean, I, I, find it, I find it hard to believe that you could ride that far on a tall bike. I, that's just unbelievable. And the, the trails weren't even, a lot of them were like dirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, the way we outfitted, we kind of knew we were going to be riding on dirt most of the way because it was, uh, in New York, they have this great canal trail that goes along the Hudson, um, basically almost all the way up to Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's locks all along the way, which are pretty great uh, camping sites uh, for free. Um, so we kind of knew we were getting into kind of outfitted our bikes with wider tires and stuff like that. But, um, you know, once you get used to riding a tall bike, anybody who's ridden one a lot usually tells you it's just like riding another bike. There's just a couple things you got to start getting used to to realize that it's different. But um, it's, it's just as hard as riding a normal bike there. You know, I, I feel like everyone else who did the whole trip also did just as crazy of a, a feat as I did, I guess. So if, if you can get into the whole... Like what's it like to what's what's the difference? What's what do you have to get used to from riding a tall? Um, the main thing touring wise was the wind. Um, the wind is like surprisingly, surprisingly a lot more of a challenge when you're seven or eight feet up. I mean, I guess that's kind of assumed, but I didn't expect it to be as difficult as it was. You know, so when when you're going into a headwind for a whole day at like sixty mi- for sixty miles, uh, it, it was just really. Cr- or some days, um, you know, everyone would draft behind us because we were like so tall, we were killing all the wind, and then the whole rest of the group would ride behind us and things like that. And uh, because you you don't really stop when you're on a tall bike, it's 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 hard to like track stand or like fixie stall or something like that. So you get in a lot of situations where the rest of the group will be like riding around you, and all of a sudden they'll see berries or like somebody want to stop and have a snack, and they'll just throw their brakes on and stop right in front of you and you're kind of like stuck in the situation of having people all around you and you can't really get down easily and you're on like a two foot path with like a train coming on the left and then water on the right and it's just like can get really annoying sometimes uh riding around with other cyclists so how do you how do you stop when it's time to stop um you kind of i mean i guess you kind of climb it like a ladder so uh you kind of climb up the bottom frame and onto the pedals of the top bike and then kind of swing your leg around like a horse. So as you slow down, you can kind of like slowly dismount and like coast with the bike uh, as you get down off of it. That's kind of the best way to do it. Otherwise, you if you have to stop immediately, you kind of try to swing one leg over and hop down and grab the bike as you, as you come down. But it's a pretty big pretty big drop to be jumping off of it like five five or six times a day during a tour um start hurting your feet and stuff so you gotta try to prepare a little a little bit beforehand to climb down did you did you find yourself kind of having rifts between you and the other cyclists because they didn't understand what you were going through um a couple of times but not really i mean it was just it was just i think just as much as probably anybody who's been on a long bike tour for like 16 17 days you start the little tiny things, you know, you start to pick away at each person. And by the end of it, I mean, everything was fine. But there was, there was definitely a couple instances of people stopping in front of me, in front of me causing me to, like, fall off or having to jump off my bike for no reason, and I would get kind of frustrated. But all in all, it, it wasn't bad at all. We're all good friends, so everyone was pretty sympathetic to everyone else. Here, um, I, I'm going to pass you to Chicken Little here, but also I want you to tell us how you held the cranks together with the dime. But here's chicken. Uh, oh, you want to tell us first? Y- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, 
the bikes that we are all riding because you know we're from the bike rescue and everything. Most of our bikes are like put together from all different types of parts and all kind of custom made to how everyone wants their bike to be. And the tall bike originally like wasn't built for the purpose of going on a thousand mile tour. It was kind of just built as a fun, fun thing to ride around um, and to ride around town. And so. I'm pretty sure I put cranks on it that didn't fit with the spindle really well. There was, like, enough of a gap that it, they were, the cranks were pretty loose. Um, but I managed to, like, tighten it down tight enough that it wasn't a problem. But then after riding it for about 500 miles, like, it slowly started to wear itself down so that my uh, spindle and my cranks, there, there was no way to tighten it enough in order to get the cranks to, like, not be super wobbly and have chain problems and have the chain fall off. So we started like throwing random pieces of metal in between my cranks and the nuts on the cranks to try to like lift the lift the bolt the spindle depth uh, out further so that we could tighten it. And the best thing we found were were pennies and dimes. So I started breaking up dimes and shoving them in there and tightening it down, and it ended up being tight enough. And then actually the last the last day of the trip, I had a blowout in my tire where my, the bead blew out the tire. So I, we folded up a dollar bill, which if you ever need to do this, works really well because dollar bills are really tightly woven cloth, basically, and it holds together a, a tire really well. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the trip, like the last 55, uh, well, probably more like 30 miles, it was, the whole bike was kind of being held together by a dollar and 10 cents. It was kind of an <laughs> ongoing joke of the whole thing. <laughs> um, do you want to talk? Yeah, here, here we got a question. Actually, you, you talk about this bike, Rexu, that, that uh, builds bikes. I, I don't know if you're familiar, but we have a bike collective out here, too, that, that uh, tries to build bikes for mostly people that go to work, so they're using their bikes for back and forth. And we've seen every kind of kind of sort of slapdash kind of like, oh, this guy put a bolt in his thing, and now he's using a bolt instead of a pedal. I'm wondering, when you're out on the road or something, it's, it's almost like you're... Uh, I compare it to, like, film work and those guys they call grips on sets who, who just sort of, yeah, you have to go create this thing for this movie. Oh, just give me some screws or whatever. Did you find yourself, like, visiting a lot of hardware stores along the way to uh, repair, or did you carry yeah. parts? Um, we, we took parts with us, some, some really basic parts that we knew were going to come in handy, things like, you know, the basic stuff, like tubes and tires and everything, but we, we definitely were smart in bringing... I guess since we're part of the, a bike rescue, that we kind of have more of a, a knowledge of, like, what stuff usually fails, and also we have, like, a, a copious amount of them lying around. So things like shifters and brake cables and everything. I mean, we had one instance where our brake cable, like, sheared off and snapped, and and if we hadn't had extra stuff, it would have just been, like, a, a really awful experience of, like, coming down the hills of the Adirondacks without any brakes on a tall bike. Um so that helped out a lot. And then, you know, like the thing with the dimes and everything, too, it's just being out on the road and being away from everybody really puts you in a situation where you have to, like, solve problems in the, in the moment with what you have. And I guess that's kind of the fun of bike touring, you know, of being out there away from a shop so that you kind of have to deal with everything as it comes up. So uh, helping helping people build their bikes is just sort of, like, part for the course and uh for, for touring, it sounds. It sounds like you learn more that way. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I after going on tour, I, would, I, I don't understand how some people can go on tour without having, like, 
a completely intimate knowledge of how their means of transportation works. You know, I mean, it's the same thing as how we help people build their bikes to get to work or to get to school or to get around town if they don't have a car. You know, like that, that development of knowledge of, unlike a car, you know, like how you have a complete understanding of your means of transportation. I couldn't imagine being out on tour without knowing how every bit of my bike worked. I would, I'd just be terrified because something happens out there and you don't know what to do and you're taking a kind of alternate route than like driving down the main strip of towns all the time. It's, it would be kind of scary being out there. Now, you, you were talking about traveling along these roads and stuff. I, I know now that uh, Google actually, with smartphones and stuff, has uh, uh, maps and things almost for bikes. Did you use those, or did you rely on the old uh, sort of like triptychs, or, or how did you get around? Did you have maps or yeah. what? Smartphone? Yeah, we had, we had maps, and um, basically we were really lucky in that the canal trail that I mentioned before kind of follows the Hudson River Canal and is, is a good trail and it's it's really decently maintained. It's not paved, but it's, it's mostly gravel. But then that goes up into Toronto and then Toronto has a, I think they call it the, the Lakes Trail or something like that. It basically follows along the edge of the, the lake and, and that goes almost right into Toronto. So there's all these like little parts in between where we'd have to find local atlases and stuff inside the towns in order to find what roads we should take to get to the next part of the trail or, or things like that. But we were lucky in, them in the sense that a lot of bike tours, I think, when you just pick somewhere random to go, there's not uh, trails, you know, for 50% of the ride or something like that. So we kind of lucked out in that sense. But for the rest of it, where we didn't know what the trails were, um, we were just using maps and kind of one of the other head guys of the the organization, Andrew Lynn, is just a great geographical kind of person, so he was always in charge of having the map, and he, and he never led us astray, you know, so for a lot of us, the face and where we were going was kind of put in into him. I, I mentioned this because one time I traveled cross-country, um, and we couldn't afford the map, I think it was $4, but the National Geographic was only 50 cents, it's just that we had one from like the 70s and nobody had heard of these roads and so yeah, yeah. It, it's a similar kind of thing it, it's almost half adventure and half like we're going to get lost and it's like well obviously we're going to get lost anyway we might as well you know but yeah I, I think going into it I had a huge like phobia personally of becoming lost I like really didn't like the idea of being lost somewhere and then after going through the whole experience I like have totally rid myself of that of that fear of of that because I realized that, you know, if, if I want to go somewhere, kind of reverting to, like, old-style thinking of, like, well, I know I, I need to go north. So if I just keep going north, ideally I'm going to end up somewhere where somebody knows where that is, and then, like, I can figure out where I need to go from there. And, like, totally became more relaxed as the trip went on of just knowing that, you know, we're going to Canada. That's up. I just got to keep going up, and then eventually we'll, we'll figure things out as we go. So uh, I'm going to hand the phone next to Nick, but while I do that, um, we've noticed here on your website that you're having a, a fundraiser. Why don't you plug that for a minute while I pass the phone back? Yeah, yeah. Um, so May 28th, we are having a fundraiser um, for Troy Body Rescue in Troy, New York, at this place called the Sanctuary for Independent Media, which is uh, right down the road from our new building that we just purchased, um, which is a little bit more. I'll explain this really quick later. But... Um, the Sanctuary for Independent Media is just this great uh, center for, you know, radical media and local media and really supporting people who have a voice in the community. 
and we're having a, an all-day fundraiser there with an adult bike rodeo, a kid bike rodeo, um, instructional lessons on fixing up bikes. Uh, there's a big art auction, and we're having a, a giant potluck food dinner um, to raise money. And it's our first fundraiser, really, that we've had in our 10-year existence, and it's kind of to, ex- to celebrate our 10-year anniversary and the fact that we bought uh, a kind of large warehouse-style building off of the town's foreclosure listing. Okay. So we're in the process these next two weeks of moving our bike shop into here and, and building stuff. So if you hear any saws or nails in the background, that's that's what's going on. So you guys are thriving. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, so uh, so Troy sounds like a good place to visit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's definitely it's definitely a small town. Um, it's the home of like Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is a college that's here. Um, but it's. It's a, it's a great little town. It's got a definite little, like, radical vibe going on here, and it's, it's in that crucial point where it's small enough that, like, anybody can really come here and do anything they want, and it's, like, really supported by the community. Uh, so I think it's a really, really great place. Hey, I just want to ask, how was Bike Bike? It was awesome. It was a fantastic experience, really. It's, it's cool to get to go to a place. I mean, Troy's awesome, but it's definitely not, like, the bike mecca of the world, you know, where you have all these other people that are pushing it hard like for bike culture and bike life and trying to like bring that mode of transportation to where it should be considering the state of the world right now and uh it was really great just to hang out with all those people and everyone who put on the bike pirates in toronto who put it on did a fantastic job everyone was super nice and uh you know it gave me a lot more motivation and hope for the way things are going to turn out you know cool um yeah what's a, i wanted to ask too what's a bike pirate uh, bike Pirates is just a, another organization. Um, so, like, where Troy Bike Rescue, there's this place called Bike Pirates up in Toronto where they have a really awesome um, bike shop that's much like, kind of like ours. It's an educational facility, and they take in old bikes and uh, fix them up and everything. So they just they took on the whole the whole caboodle of putting on the big event, and uh, they did it really well. Okay. Um, well, thanks for calling in, Ryan, and uh, I've... We, you can see we can see your video that you made of your tour. Um, I posted it on uh, my Facebook page. I don't know if it's on yours too, but so it's on. Um, it's also it's, it's a, so it's up on the uh, Bike Talk Facebook page. Yeah, I saw. Um, and thanks for calling in. Oh, and I I, I heard about you on uh, the Think Tank list. Yeah, that's like kind of a, a Think Tank thing for a, a lot of different bike collectives and a lot of people who are part of the annual bike bike conference are all on there so it's a great wealth of knowledge for people interested in developing a community bicycle shop or or just being involved in their community bicycle related how do you get on that list or how do you get in touch how do you with the with the whole um i think it's i think it's a yahoo group i'm I'm not sure if you if you google it you probably can find it i've been on it for so long i forget how i got on to be honest there's the bicyclecollectives.org possibly yeah okay yeah try that out um, well, thanks a lot, Ryan, for being on the show. And, yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I, I checked out your guys' website. I think it's, you know, the whole radio radio station and the stuff you guys are doing is really rad. Oh, thanks a lot, and, uh, and, good lu- and good luck, and keep up the good work. All right, cool. Thanks. All right, take care. See ya. Wow. That was, that was pretty phenomenal. I, I know I want to visit Troy now. Maybe we could take a, a tall bike and leave it at the door, and they'd let the bike in, and then we could hide ourselves inside the tires or something. That, is, that was very 
very good one. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it is Kill Radio, and while Nick uh, starts to dial the next number, um, we had a chance, and I know that Street Blogs is going to be hosting a film night on Monday as part of uh, the Bike Week. Uh, it's uh, located uh, somewhere, I think, near the Caltech campus there in Pasadena. But uh, Streets Blog also had a benefit uh, a while back, and they had a recipient, too, of their version of the Golden Spoke. They gave an award to um, a couple of organizations, and one of the people they gave it to was a guy, I think we know him, he used to be a DJ here at Kill Radio. That's right. Too Tall Jamal, a.k.a. Almond Joy. That's right. It's our own friend of, friend of all, everything, Don. And so we're gonna I, hear did, I didn't know he was a DJ here. Don... Don used to be a DJ here years ago. So bring up the middle one, and Don will tell us Babies. a little bit about it. Even for, like, the, even for a lot of like the advocates, you know, like those of us like doing kitchen like back in 2004 or 2003 uh, and stuff like that. This is summer, though, talking baby about Baby time, man. Breeze. Breeze. Baby Breeze. time. Is that, is, that, is that a message to uh, the significant other? Uh, you know, things like that. We're going to skip. It We're going to skip. Happens, you know? <laughs> it's all about bikes, then. <laughs> Safer. Oh, are you gonna get a, are you gonna get well soon, right? I'll be in a minute. Here we go. This is how easy it is. Someone entering in, bringing beer. But look who's here, walking into Eco Village in the street clogs. Thanks. What's new at the, the Eco Village? Well, what's new is what's happening here tonight, the fundraiser for LA Streets Blog. And there's at least 60 people that came. And Excellent. Really excited. 60 people yes, that are spreading right. the word about That's the, right, about making our city more pedestrian and bicycle friendly and, and creating more and stronger advocacy for all things wonderful for LA. Fantastic. And Thank here I want to Bobby got it. I already know Bobby. <laughs> Where's the bike? He's got enough me. Where's the big bike? The tall bike. In the bike room. In the bike room. Wow. Jimmy. No, we don't have to talk about it right now. Friends of the oven coming. This is awesome. Johnny. Johnny. What's up? I like that. Should I put my name on? We might have to sort of explain this. some of this. Well, uh, these are all friends that came out for the benefit. And, and the reason it's uh, kind of cool is because they're, they're doing some uh, some great things. Now, we've gotten to the point where Don is going to be talking. We're going to take him the, back just a little bit. The benefit is the Streets blog. Yeah, and Street Blog is actually doing their own kind of little... Uh, they're stepping up and showing some films on Monday slash uh, talking about some of the, the, the work they've done. And this will be in Pasadena. We'll get the exact address for you. I think it's... Uh, uh, off of Marengo somewhere the out there, of, uh, of, of, where they're showing films on on Friday, and I, I mention it's with Cycle because Cycle does some incredible. They throw great parties. Let's just say they're also throwing a pedal party later in the week. But here we go. Okay. Uh, here's Don that was the recipient. So Don is is he's a, he does the Wolfpack hustle. He's like the or, the leader of the Wolfpack. He doesn't have a life. Hustle? He just he just sort he of does giving his life Midnight over Riders. to bicycles. Okay, so here he is. I didn't see him last night at Midnight Riders. Let's just let's just. Kill that at the bud. What? I didn't see anybody from Midnight Riders from the old school. I guess it was like, there's going to be so much coming up, I'm going to sleep in. Or maybe they got miffed with the Jiro and stuff. Our, our own Eric is going to tell us about it well, later. Okay, I so hope. Midnight Riders is every 
second second Friday uh, or something. And Traditionally, but last night it was it was a tag thing. Maybe that's what it was. What they mean? tagged me. I was it, and I didn't get to, to tag anybody, so I got they lost. They were playing tag? They were playing tag on bikes. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. A little bit confusing because there's, there's some rules but no rules, and the city is so big. You really need to be in a on a pursuit so what, bike or something. So like they tag you and they just bike off in different directions. Is that what happened? <laughs> and it's like, hey, where is everybody? No, but we'll, we'll talk about it. One of them jumped on the red line and he was supposed to stay with the group. And I'm going, wait a second, if he gets on the red line, maybe it wasn't with tag. So anyway, here's here's huh. Don talking about okay activism, which all kind of ties in with the theme today we were talking about earlier with uh, Jim Brown. Here we go. Cool. My mother would never forgive me. Stopping point? Sounds like you guys are off onto another. What? what? Sounds like you guys are just partying. What? <laughs> what? I'm I'm ha- I'm reliving this mentally. I'm having a beer in my brain. No, uh, actually, it's not all about beer. But we just want to present themselves that everybody thinks that these social events that we're just talking about, like beer ratios or, or uh, uh, maybe maybe this thing is. I'm gonna try the other mic here. All right. Better mic. So uh, a lot of people think that maybe it's that we just get together and, and, and talk gear ratio or, you know, what, you know, what, what are you wearing? Gear ratio. Stuff? Yeah. Well, what are you wearing? Are you talking to me? Yeah. What are you, what are you wearing there? You're looking right Oh, you got a Cyclovia shirt on. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. It's kind of sexy there. 
All right, Nick. Anyway, um, that's not what we talk about at these things. Though we do talk about couture and fashion and all sorts of stuff. Who was Roblox talking to? uh, That was uh, Cat, the other cat. That would be Cat too. That uh, Cat's. This is the. She's from, um, um, I think Minnesota or somewhere where Hmm. it's cold because. She's actually done that crazy, like, uh, Super Bowl thing they do where they, in the middle of winter, because there it's still winter in June, January when they do the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they have a thing where they don't just sit down and watch Super Bowl and get drunk. They ride from bar to bar, and they make it a bicycle event. So you go to the first bar, and you have a beer, and you have to remember a play or the score. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the next one, and if you get the score wrong, they make you drink more. I guess if you get it right, you don't drink as much. So invariably, people so get it the, wrong yeah. because they've been drinking and they it's don't a remember. Vicious, vicious circle. And then, and then it's a race too. So of course, you're you're racing, trying to get there and remember the score. Wait, wait, okay, so this is the Super Bowl ride. This in is Minnesota? their Super Bowl ride in Minnesota in the dead of winter. And apparently, somebody always remembers dies. the actual score. <laughs> somebody dies. Yeah, no, it's it's not like that. Yeah. But it's safe. It's safe. And that's that's the one of the things. But that's where she's from. But uh, I, I was amazed that uh, Don here uh, was able to uh, tell me something about just how, how the culture and slash on slash the, uh, the politics, the bureaucracy is kind of, he, he makes his way around it and stuff. Yeah. Which, which is kind of sad because this week we saw how bureaucracy hasn't been working out in the valley. Um, I don't know if. What? The we we argue here in town. They always say, "Well, why do you want to have more places where you can eat and less places where there's they're just serving alcohol?" And I said, "Well, if they're serving alcohol, there's there's a better chance they're going to be drinking and driving." And they always look at me like that's an evil thing to bring up, the plethora of alcohol or slash liquor stores that are out there. So. What are you saying? Start referring to like something that just happened. Well, yeah, that guy getting hit was by a drunk driver. Now we we could argue that it was because. There were too many liquor stores out of town, or do you think people drink regardless if there's a liquor store around? Well, who was they hit? It. That uh, the Singh guy. Okay, you, you, maybe you, Singh was the guy that hit that. The, the first of all, he hit two people on a bike. Then he hit a car. Then he killed somebody on a bike. Did you hear about that? He killed that student. I didn't hear student. about this whole thing. I'm sorry. I didn't it's it's pretty news. pretty sad. This is a week after someone someone else was killed on their bike uh, for spring break. So. There, there is a definite rise, I think, in the springtime with people driving their car. Perhaps if gas was even more expensive, then they'd sort of value the fact that they, you know, they'd value that drink driving, that drunk driving time a little bit more, and maybe not drink as much and value the time behind the wheel. I, I don't know. Mm. This is just me. If ranting. they drove less, they would drive more carefully. Yeah. That's Interesting. Do you think so, or do you think if Could they drove, I mean, drive more, they drive? Well, more carefully. You drive more, you maybe you pick up more skills, but then you're more thoughtless about it because it's more automatic. I don't know. I like to believe, too, that there's a direct correlation between riding your bike and being more coherent when you ride a car. And there's the phone. Bike talk. Hey, it's, uh, it's uh, Burroughs Racing Team. Hey, how you doing? You, you're still a show? Or? Yeah, you're on We're there. still a show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, we're still yeah, we're in uh, we're in Solvang, California, getting ready for the uh, state championships race tomorrow between uh, SoCal and NorCal leagues. Can you say your name? Uh, my name is Mauricio Barbara. I'm the uh, I'm the head coach of the Burroughs High School racing team in Burbank, oh, California. Great. So, um, so tell us about the event. Well, uh, typically at any SoCal race, uh, you'll have about 200 kids um, 
uh, from approximately 30 different uh, high schools all across Southern California racing against each other. Tomorrow, uh, you've got the, the uh, NorCal League coming down, so there's going to be about 450 kids uh, racing tomorrow uh, statewide, all here in Los Olivos, California. Is it, uh, uh-huh. What's the course like? Course is uh, it's a cross country type course, uh, green rolling hills, um, six miles per lap. I'd say about uh, between 500 to 800 feet of climbing for each lap. Um, you'll have the varsity riders doing four laps, so they'll be racing uh, 24 mile races. Uh, freshmen doing uh, 12 miles. But a uh, very nice course, very nice, very. Uh, it's held on a, uh, a private mountain bike uh, course here in uh, Los Olivos, and um, it's going to be great. It's a private mountain bike course. Yeah, it's called the Stump, Stump, uh, Stump Grinder Dirt Club. Huh. Um, I think it's owned by uh, Mike Hecker. But yeah, it's really, it's really great. We, I came out here last impressive. year at the race that was held last year, and it was, uh, it's an amazing, amazing course. So you're the coach of the, you guys have a mountain bike team. Yeah, I started a mountain team at uh, John Burroughs High School in Burbank, and uh I've got yeah. about 10 kids on the team, and, uh, yeah, we're all up here, and uh, everybody has to your, – your team has to qualify for the state champs. It's, uh, there's a cutoff, and uh, we qualified. It's our first time. It's our first year, and okay. uh, we had a great season. Congratulations. Congratulations. And Thanks. So what were some of the challenges in uh, getting – are they just just so interested that they're passionate that, they're, that their motivation take, took them there, or did you have to do like a um, – you know, stand and deliver type thing. Uh, no, well, we started. Uh, you know, we put it out to the school, and uh, we got we got interest from the from the kids. And uh, they they it was how quickly they took to uh, mountain biking and uh, the sport of cycling as a whole. How, how do you fund um, it? What's that? How do you get the funding? It's all it's all uh, self funded. It's either through sponsorships, uh, donations, fundraising. We get no money from the school. We get uh, it, it's all on our shoulders. So we've got some great sponsors come through and, uh, you know, who support, you know, youth cycling. Go ahead and mention a couple. So, so who are some sponsors? Uh, Jonathan Kay, uh, owner of KO Clothing. That's K-A-Y-O Clothing. Uh, we've got uh, SMP Fabworks out of Burbank. Uh, we've got a few doctors on board in the city of Burbank who are uh, avid cyclists. Um, we've got uh, the Vanderborg Group Construction. Uh, yeah, we're, we're slowly picking up steam here in the city. So how'd you get all those sponsors? Put it out, put out proposals to them. Say, hey, this is what's going on. This is, it's a great cause. Um, they happen to be uh, cyclists already, most of our sponsors, and they, they, they were all over it. You know, we've, 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 we're, as time goes on, you know, as, as we get out, as, as uh, our name gets out there in the city, you know, we, uh, we're gathering more interest. We actually just uh, volunteered at the city's uh, Earth Day event. Our team went out there and uh, tuned up close to 25 bikes for free for the community. You know, they all came up and, and were excited to see that the team existed. And so they're already asking about next year. So what what impact does it have on the school and, and, and the kids or the community? Well, it's a great impact because uh, the kids are actually excited about it. So a lot of the kids didn't even know we had a team this year. And uh, now they know, I think. The, the school actually just broadcast one of our uh, videos, one of the races we did, and uh, it piqued the interest of, of uh, a lot of other kids. So I think it's just going to get bigger next year. Where um, can we see the video? 
it, it's not the school. The school has its own uh, uh, television network. So I guess every morning they put on videos. But uh, we're actually on Facebook. Our team's on Facebook under Burroughs Racing. We've got some videos on there already. So you can check that out. And uh, it's, it's a great league. Well, it's so great to be a part of And And uh, so the, the league is called the so what's it called? The SoCal Motown? It's the SoCal High School Cycling League. Uh, it's been around. This is its third season. Uh, North Cal has had a league um, since 2001. And uh, it, it, we're, all, we're all under uh, the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. Um, there's actually leagues forming everywhere. Texas, Washington, Colorado, Utah, and even New York. So I think by 2020, the goal is to have uh, leagues uh, cross-country, all across the country. So it's growing. I think they've got, I want to say, 18 petitions from other states who um, want to start a league of their own. All right, so it's taken off. Oh, yeah, big time. You can uh, you can look at, the, at the, our league, SoCal League, at uh, www.socaldirt.org. Okay, thanks so, so much, Marisa. Oh, here, Chicken Leather has a question. Hey, uh, uh, this is Chicken Leather. I'm, I'm actually kind of new to mountain bike racing, but I did this thing with Paul from Atomic Cycles called the Coaster Brake Challenge. I'm wondering... Okay. You, you've heard of that, haven't you? Like, uh, they go out on mountain bike racing courses with just a coaster brake, like one of those what's old... Paul, what's Paul's last name? Uh, Della Vera. Yeah, Paul, De, Paul De, Della Vera. I yeah, know Della Vera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's at... Uh, I, I do one of those, uh, those 4130 BMX rides. Exactly. Time to time. He's out there all the time. Yeah. 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 That's great. He's he's a he's a knucklehead and stuff. The reason yeah, I mention it is I yeah. remember seeing one of your kids out there on one of these rides. Oh really? Yeah. Who so maybe that? we'll you see him who? again for, for coming up in, in the summer. Yeah, kids being kids, they you know, naturally they like oh. they like the downhill stuff. Absolutely. You know. But you know, so at some, for some of them it was actually a shock for them to realize that well you actually have to ride up first. And then go down. <laughs> for cross country touchdown. Well, that's so, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, good luck there. And, and as we know, that uh, not the week after you, they're they're doing the Amgen there. They're doing the time yeah. trials in Solvang. Yeah, we're actually here. We just we're in Solvang. We actually just talked to the co-chair of it. Oh. I talked to her about the race, the, the course. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, they're out here cleaning up the streets. You know, sweeping up the streets. And she was out here doing it herself. Yeah, and actually, was excited. as we all know, Solvang is like the pit of California in, in yeah. terms of clean, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's probably one of the nicest cities to be in. I remember just going there as a kid and going, wow, this is really amazing. How, how did it get this yeah. one? They said, well, this is pretty much a copy of how it is in Europe. And I'm, Yeah, I'm no, they're, they're, this city is actually, it's it's uh, it's electric right now. we got a lot going on. you got bunch of people here to race uh, tomorrow and next week. It's going to be crazy here. All right. Well, good for I'm, them. It's good for business. I'm wondering if they'll go totally European and start putting, like, divided highways with, with bike infrastructure. That, that would be cool. Like, they could take everybody yeah. from California and show them how a, you know, how a bike lane is supposed to be built or something. Yeah. But anyway, I, w- I want to I thank you, John. I'm going to give the phone back to Nick here. Okay. All right. Is it John or Mauricio? It's, uh, what's that? Your first name. Mauricio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for calling in and let us know how you do. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. all right. See you guys. Good Bye. Bye. Wow. Once again, another another faux pas on Chicken Leather's part. I thought he said his name was John. Well, maybe he, maybe he 
Uh, oh, oh, you know what? We have Don here. Maybe that's where I confused it. Don. You know, Don. I, we were just talking about that. We just watched Don on TV, telling us about uh, infrastructure and how how people don't really want to hear about bikes because nobody bikes. wants to hear about bikes. They want to. They, they want to hear about money, money and how their property values go up if you get a bike lane in front of your house, right? Yeah. And and getting involved in uh, and your so, local city council. And lo and behold, through the magic of, of uh, reality. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he did that. Psychically linked or something. Well, he was birth. listening on the iPhone. He said he was. God, he, he's here now, and so we we got him. No, this one's live. Here, talking to this one. How many aliases does do you have? Uh, just just one. What almond joy? Yeah, DJ almond joy. Yeah. <laughs> you were a kill radio DJ. No, no, no. For about a week, I thought <laughs> you came to our meeting. I did, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, uh, there was a point where I was, I was really interested Fli- in flirting with this. the idea of flirting with the and idea. Th- and then he found out. I think we were fighting at that point with with people, and so we were fighting for ten years. Yeah, really? well, see, what we was continue the fight about? to fight. It was I don't know. It's always about Bennett, it seems, or something I think, like that. But we've got, we've really stopped that. We've stopped. Messing no, around. we're ju- we're just kidding. I mean, we love all our DJs here. Yeah, you guys, I mean, you guys put in work every single week. It's awesome. We, we try yeah. to. We try to uh, shake up the show, but it's really easy with bikes because there's so much I- involved with bikes. And uh, it, it was funny. Earlier, we had on a, a guy talking about tall bikes and, and stuff. And I heard that. When you, when you mention tall bikes, I'm always thinking like something with a 60 millimeter frame or something. It's like these guys build the bikes. And I'm, yeah. I'm always fascinated by that. We, we've been trying at the bike oven to get Dan Berlant down there to do a class and maybe not do some of the welding because we're not safe, but, but show how, how you do a tall bike. And of course that cacophony of horns is from people outside honking at somebody trying to make a left turn. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, the noise factor here. So, um, what are we calling you? Don? Uh, Don roadblock, Mr. Block, Mr. Block, Mr. Block. Um, They were talking about how, and I've heard the Doesn't term matter. before. Uh, uh, they were talking about how the tall bike was in the wind so much that they, they couldn't hear anything. And it, they were, I know riding on a tall bike, they were saying it was just windy all the time. That's amazing to do a 16, was it 16-day tour? I'm amazed. On a tall bike? With anybody yeah. doing a tour, yet alone on a tall bike. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was part of the Troy Collective. That, that bike path sounds great. It does. I want to try that. Um, yeah, it sounds like the East Coast has a lot more going on in terms of I, those I think long so. distance bike paths. I, I think it also is is because it's just uh, uh, the, you go through the seasons there. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to believe if LA went through some sort of like fall, winter, spring instead of just like sort of like you can ride all the time summer. It, it's been mostly summer. Plus they have the rails to trails. Yeah. Yeah. Thing happening. I mean, we have it too. We, the Chandler bike path is a result of the. I I'd like to believe that that, uh, that everybody complains about the river going nowhere, and it's a great bike path. But I'm a, I'm going to plug it not only for the uh, our local LACBC and their their fundraiser coming up in June, but the the fact that uh, lately they've improved it enough so as you can ride it on off hours with the uh, lighting, and, it's and more infrastructure that. It's. I'm. I'm going out on my way to, to take it because it's so nice at night. It's totally. We actually. I went with uh, Bobby Gata down to that. Give me three. Oh, he's uh, got a fundraiser. Too. We yeah. rode. We rode uh, to Long Beach 
and most of it was along the river river bike path and we uh-huh. we actually took it back too and it, taking it back at night around 10 o'clock we, we came back with alexis and uh bobby and alexis and uh, there was a, a couple couple moments where it was a little bit freaky there was some people hanging out on the side of the well, wait, path so, well, but uh-huh because we've been hearing about pretty that much safe. right like at the bayona path well, this one was the long beach but i'm saying is it what is it people oh, right. gang, like gangs hanging out at bike paths what um, along the Bayona Creek, there's been talk of, of, yeah, like, like gangs there. What, what are they, what are they doing? They're, they're stealing <clears throat> frogs or <laughs> investing in, I think they hang out. Well, we need a flamingo. I don't want to say, ne- one. I don't want to say necessarily it's gangs, but there's people that hang out under the bridges that, um, wise guy types or, I don't know. I mean, maybe more like vagrants or something, but, oh. but, but there, you know, some people have complained that, that there's. You know, there's been like, uh, I think, like from one story that I heard is that they'll throw their own bike into the path as somebody's coming, and the person will try to jack crash, and then they'll jack their oh. bike or something. But I haven't felt that. But you know. so, it, it, so it's like a safety issue too to maybe travel with people. Then so it's you better to travel, travel with, with people. Yeah. yeah, I always like to think that way anyway with with bikes. Um, Nick. Who do you got? We can talk to Colin. Colin, Colin Bogart. Colin, I think, was going to do some hey. sort of ride, and I was getting ready the video, but um, let's put him on live. Well, we got him on. Here he is. Okay. Colin. Talk, is that chicken leather? Here he is, yeah. No. no. It's you, hard to you, hear him. You talk it's hard to there. hear him, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Colin. Good morning. Hi. Say, Colin. Hi. Um, How's it going? I'm doing okay. What are you doing for bike week? What's that bike week with you guys in Glendale? Well, we're, we're actually it? doing bike month in Glendale. Oh, but um, amazing. We've already done a number of events, but today we're doing an ice cream ride. Uh, um, we're telling people to meet at 1 o'clock at Verdugo Park, uh-huh. which is on uh, Kenyatta um, near Glendale Community College. Right. Just a little north of the 134 freeway. Uh, we're telling people to meet at the north end of the park at the gate at Colina Street. Uh-huh. Um, at one o'clock, and we're going to ride it about one thirty. Isn't that like from Planet of the Apes, like caution live animals? And they, you know, Kalima. And, you know, uh, never mind. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but we're going to we're going to ride to four different uh, four different locations in Glendale and uh, try ice cream at all four locations. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be about a it's about a twelve mile ride, uh, casual pace. It uh, should actually be really nice. We, we we picked a route that's mostly on, like, nice, quiet residential streets. There's actually right. some pretty cool neighborhoods that we're going to ride through as well. So if I'm um, looking out after my weight, I don't have to eat ice cream at every stop, do I? You're not, it's not a requirement. Oh, that's It's even certainly not a requirement. But, um, but conversely, some of these places is going to have things like, like frozen yogurt, so you don't have to sort of... Yeah, yeah, like the first, you know... butter fat content. Yeah, there's, there's certainly going to be some uh, sorbet options oh, for people who are looking sorbet. after their girlish figure. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of the stops we're going to have gelato, and of course you know gelato is Gel- healthier than ice like cream. Isn't that like Italian? Because I've been watching the Giro lately. Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. So, um, so uh, it should be a lot of fun. So, Colin, now that I have you on the phone. Now that you have me on the phone. I, I can put you on the hot seat for a section. Okay. Um, so Glendale is doing a month. Now, I know that yeah. traditionally it is May that's bike month, but uh-huh. uh, 
do you, do you think this is going to overflow into like maybe doing it? I know you're doing your bike month because it's transportation month, but uh-huh. you're you're actually making inroads to making Glendale more bike friendly, right? Yes, we uh, we recently uh, got approval of the Safe and Healthy Streets Plan, which is a uh-huh. policy document we drafted, and it's. It's like a 80-some page document, and we, we included policies according to the five E's, education, encouragement, engineering, evaluation, and enforcement. And it's, well, it's actually, that's a mouthful. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and there's policies in the document and all, according to all five E's plus some extra stuff, and it's geared towards bicyclists and pedestrians. And um, this ride actually is sort of an example of one of the policies that we put in the document. Basically what we said is that the city needs to – uh, do do city organized rides and walks on a regular ongoing basis. That seems fantastic. Um, yeah. So you know, um, with the adoption of this plan, um, what, what we should be seeing, what we hope to be seeing, is that the city will continue to um, organize group rides and group walking events on various themes. We've done a number of history rides in the past. Uh, we tried to. We decided to mix it up this time, and instead of doing yet another history ride, we decided let's 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 eat something. So, uh, you know, ice cream rides are always popular. Well, it's funny because I remember you doing a coffee ride once. Uh, yeah, we did a coffee during, ride. During that was bike uh, winter. Or bike that was summer. bike winter. Yeah. That yeah. was uh, actually. I think that was the second bike winter. I, I couldn't convince you to like. There was a cupcake ride. Literally, yeah. Walked in just for the other one, and I said. Yeah. And I, and I even posed it to both of you. Why, why don't you? guys talk to each other like in the bike community and you said well they would sh- should join our ride and, and I went over to them and they said well they should join our ride and I said am I the only one that went to both rides this morning and it was kind of funny yeah because people brought coffee to the cupcake ride and then on the on the, the coffee ride I'm sure they bought cupcakes so. well I think part of the problem well yeah part of the problem <laughs> I mean it's like yeah. everything in the bike community it's like people are always like kind of cross doing this and as i say this somebody is racing down in a tux on a bmx down our street oh so okay kind of cool i guess he's um, some sort of festivity squirrel squirrel um so <laughs> yeah no i remember that yeah we did the ice cream we did the coffee ride i wouldn't mind doing another coffee ride um, well, there you go. i think we learned we learned from that ride, though, that um what you don't do is you don't stop and order a full cup of coffee at every location uh. Because that ride took all day. Well, you know, it took forever. So really, what we should have done is we should have said, we should have said, no, just order an espresso. Or a little something, shot. Something. So, yeah. Well, that's an espresso. Two, two shots. Yeah. That's an espresso. Is one shot. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with a cappuccino. But one shot. Not yeah. To be, not to so be anyway. With, with uh, yeah, but what we should have done is we should have said, look, just order an espresso, something small that you can drink quickly, so we can move on to the next location. Because yeah, that ride took all day long. Yeah. It was pretty crazy, but it was fun. Yeah, um, but, but see, and we went the opposite direction of the cupcake ride. Right. That was the other complication. Is they were going, they were going west, and we were going east. Mm. Um, so, well, but we posted you. our ride first. I'll, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> that our ride was up and posted well before theirs was. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna claim. You know, first come, first serve on that one. Okay. Oh, and oh. say, that's why I would say that it wasn't my job to try to organize with them. 
I was trying to get you out of this before you explained it for five minutes. But no, I'm just getting, getting petty to right first now. come soft serve today. You're yeah. doing, doing the ice cream run. Now, ice cream run, yep. When you talk about these things, I saw you on, uh, was it Thursday? And it was um, it was kind of a little slideshow about the red car. And yep. I'm thinking that seems like a no-brainer for a bike ride. We should get uh, Mr. Ayers on a bike. Maybe he can stop his lawyering long enough to, to, to do the ride with us and show us some of these sites some of the that the was and, and make it, like, not only exercise but educational. Yeah, that could historical. actually, that's a good point. Yeah. That was a pretty great slideshow. It really was. Um, we'll have to make sure that, you know. It, it illuminated a lot of what Glendale used to be in terms of public transportation. In fact, the whole city, yeah. you know, we've sort of lost that now to... Uh, I don't want to call them the nemesis, but in this case, they are nemesis of the bus and the car. Yeah, it, that was a pretty amazing. You know, sad. I thought the thing that was amazing about that slideshow is that even though it was focused, it was you know the title was you know ride the red car to Glendale, and and they did have plenty of photos of Glendale. He had a lot of pictures of he did of of the red car in city of L.A. going through Atwater Village and uh, Echo Park, past Echo Park Lake, and over by the uh, Beverly. Uh, Beverly Boulevard Viaduct, and that's all that's, locations that, that yeah. all cyclists in the area recognize. So and much I know of, you uh, and I were like looking at each other, like, "Wow!" Yeah, this is what our, our neighborhood used to be. That's, I know it's pretty it amazing. Like, why isn't it like that today? Because um, lack of and, foresight. Yeah, exactly, or um, lack of greed, or more <laughs> greed than foresight. Yeah. But uh, having said that, you're you're doing your ride, and we're we're going to try and. Uh, yeah, we're doing the ride. Cut this, but there's... I should repeat it real quick. We're, it's 1 o'clock today at Verdugo Park in Glendale. And Verdugo Park, uh, specifically at the Kalina Gate, which is at the north end of Verdugo Park. Right. Basically, if you go to the intersection of, Verdu- of Kenyatta Boulevard and Kalina and then turn left onto Kalina, uh, you'll find us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll meet at 1, ride at 1.30. It's about a 12-mile ride. We're expecting... We're expecting to get to go roughly from like 1.30 to about 4 o'clock, something like that. Totally casual pace. Uh, the ride's free, but you've got to bring money for ice cream. Each person's going to be, you know, it's up to them to, to purchase their ice cream. We do recommend cash. cash. because Well, because, you know, if we're a large enough group, I don't know how many people are coming, but if we're a big enough group, it takes a lot longer for them for each shop to process right. a bunch of credit card or, or transactions. Gold ducats, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I think gold ducats. How do you make change on a gold ducat? <laughs> the balloons. Actually, uh, um, we were wondering here. Um, what were you we wondering? Uh, Roadblock was wondering if you posted it on Midnight Riders. That usually increases your. Uh, yeah. Let's just say people flow. You know what? I spaced it on that one. Oh, maybe we'll do it for you here. I appreciate that. Fifteen minutes or, or do a link. Yeah, anyway, you know, I just totally. I totally. Any, anything else we should be aware one. of in, in uh, Glendale coming up for Bike Week? Well, Glendale, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, the rest website. of Bike Month. Bike Month, uh, of course, Thursday next week is Bike to Work Day. We have seven Bike to Work Day pit stops in Glendale. Wow. Yeah. Uh, two of them are, are city sponsored. Stop. Sorry? Two a day pit stop. Yeah. So we're going to have seven pit stops. Um, one of the things that we're doing is through a donation that we received, we're going to raffle off a bicycle, a new bike. Uh, if you stop at one of the Glendale pit stops and you fill out um, a Bike to Work Day survey, uh, you'll be entered in the uh, raffle. And we're giving away, it's a Diamondback uh, Outlook mountain bike, men's model, 18-inch size. Um, we're going to give that away. 
So that's cool. Sorry? No, I'm just I'm giving you crap because you're saying everything about this bike. How yeah. many spokes? How many spokes? I don't spokes? know. 16 spokes? <laughs> no, it's, it's a high-spoke count wheel. Okay. So, you know. But it's a hard, spokes, huh? But it's a hardtail. It's a hardtail with a front, front shock. Oh, that sounds you know. good. Yeah. That sounds good. And um, the other thing we're doing, and, and actually the Bike Coalition is doing this um, uh, countywide, is we're also promoting bike from work happy hour on Thursday where we're encouraging people. Everybody after, just perked up here. Yeah. After work. Uh, you're encouraged to ride to one of uh, the designated locations and join your fellow uh, Bike to Work Day cyclists for a brew. And um, the, the, all the locations are going to be posted, I believe, on the Bike Coalition's website or the Bike Coalition blog, one of the two. Uh, for the city of Glendale, we're doing it at a place called Tavern on Brand, which is on Brand Boulevard near the Alex Theater. And in addition, at the location in Glendale, in addition to the, the usual bike uh, happy hour drink specials, they're also going to do 10% off all food purchases for bicyclists. Great. And then we're also doing a thing on that day where if you want to become a Bike Coalition member, you get it at a discounted rate of $25 for annual as opposed to 35 Which really helps because the ride's coming up. And, and yeah. And then we're also offering a, 10, a $10 discount off the uh, River Ride registration. So, uh, at these events as well. So well, it seems like Glendale isn't always just made of money, but they're making some <laughs> economic breaks for you in this uh, crisis. Sure. Well, we have the Tavern on Brand to thank for that. I oh. contacted them and said, "What do you think?" And they're sure we'll we'll offer something up for your for your participants. Uh, and so they they offered to give the additional discount on food, which I think is very cool. Fantastic. Um, well, I'm, I'm being yeah. pawned and kicked here. We're, we're going to end this right now and get back okay. to our guests in the studios. Thank you, Colin, okay. and we're going to try and catch you on the ride today. Great. And we want to remind you, if you can't catch a ride, you can always check out your website and... Yes, the you, website is la-bike.org slash Glendale. Great. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Colin. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry to uh, kick you, but... No, I like being kicked. We just got uh, we we a got a new people plethora of people in the thing along with Don who was uh, we were he was ending that little conversation there about uh, uh, about about safety about the Long Beach bike path yeah yeah and the Bayona Creek they need to connect it all and the it, Universal Studios needs to move all their crap off the public well it's right funny away. because Universal is its own little independent kind of city and and that brings uh, to mind how we, we should uh, maybe have all the little cities help out and, and not make it just bike week in Los Angeles or Los Angeles County but uh, Santa Monica could jump in we're seeing Glendale make make their little appeal Long Beach and the mayor uh, did a ride I think today uh, that's benefiting not only the hospitals but uh, Charlie Gandy kind of emailed me and told me about all the, all the other things that are going on for, for their bike week. And, and uh, as I say this, Pasadena has their own version. We were mentioning Streets Blog coming out w and supporting uh, not only with uh, their benefits uh, and, and you're getting this golden, the, their version of the Golden Spoke Award. Their, their mayor is going to come and ride on, on Tuesday night. So you can ride with their mayor and, and give them a little bit of attitude. I know somebody wanted to ask him about some of the tickets they were getting out there for, for silly things like, uh, you know, the cars would be on their cell phone. So it was a safety issue to avoid him. Yet they weren't pulling over the car for the cell phone. They were pulling over the rider that was sort of having to go into the other lane while it veered. And I'm wondering if 
if you really should be responsible for trying to do something illegal as a method to save you. Anyway, I said, you know what? I'm on your side, but come out to the ride and try to get the mayor on your side, too. So hopefully it won't be pampered. Anyway, we're joined by a couple guests in the studio. And, Nick, you've gone over to the corner without a microphone. <laughs> you're going to let Roadblock interview him. I like this. Roadblock, who is this person? Nick is having trouble because he, uh, uh, he's off mic, but I'm Steve Herbert, and uh, I, I wrote a blog on, uh, on uh, something called Shortcuts on KCRW, of all things. And uh, I've been a fan of you guys for years and years and years, and well, not years and years, months and months, and uh, been uh, just decided to come up and take a look and see what you guys were doing today. Oh, so, so you're like the radio person, too? Uh, yeah, I've been, been in the business for a while. <laughs> About thirty years. The I'm the yeah sure. I'm the chief engineer for the radio station there. Thanks. And he's gonna look at our sound system. Maybe. <laughs> well, this is great. I mean, this is this reminds me a whole lot of of my roots. You know, when I, I, I we used to have a high school station back on the west side, and uh, this looks an awful lot like it uh, yeah. some years ago. Was it as fancy as this? Uh, it. I feel right at home. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Cool. Well, so you ride around on a on a, a cargo bike? I yeah, it's one of my bikes. I've got I've got three now, but uh, yeah, I've got a, a, a Electra Townie that somebody uh, converted to uh, with an extra cycle kit and made it into a full cargo. So it's got the snap deck on it and the 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 extra cycle version of Pennier, so you can haul just about anything on it. I ride around mm -hmm. with my surfboard and uh, uh, bags of groceries and equipment sometimes and whatnot, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's a very nice hauler. Does Electra, I'm sorry, do you, does it mean electric? No. Right. No, okay. it's just the brand. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> here. No electric. Question? Anything? Else? And we also got Eric Ochoa here, who's our race reporter. A lot to report on, and we'll get to him in a minute. But um, riding, riding around Los Angeles, uh, especially in Santa Monica, we, we know that they're doing a lot. They say they're doing a lot for infrastructure. Do you notice that out there in Santa Monica? Well, you see a lot of bike lanes. Actually, uh, really? on uh, around like up and down Broadway uh -huh. and up and down Ocean Park until you get into uh, the area the area that used to be the old Douglas factory uh, over there. Um, Do and you guys still call it that, the old Douglas factory? Well, I mean, I was born and raised. I was born in Santa. Oh, Monica okay, okay, and raised cool. here. So uh, that's no, I don't think anybody else calls it that. But uh, yeah, a few of us still do. Well, they're, they're also building bikes out there. I know the public bike is built out there, and the Linus bike is, has got some sort of operation out there, too. Uh, maybe not solid manufacturing jobs, but they're, they're uh, actually doing some, uh, um, what do they call it, assemblage out there. That's cool. I didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. I, I'm wondering, uh, riding a cargo bike, do people look at you like every once in a while like you're homeless or something? It's like, <laughs> no, why are no. you carrying all this stuff on a bicycle instead of go get a car or something? It's it's a real – actually, I get real positive results. It's kind of cool. Um, I had been riding – commuting back and forth to work pretty steadily for the last three years. And I picked up the cargo bike – uh, I think in February, uh, mm -hmm. some guy on eBay had it, and uh, it was really clean. Uh, this this particular bike was, and so more than sixty percent of the time, I either get people who kind of wave at me and give me a thumbs up, or uh, if like I went to the dentist office and I needed a place to park it. The thing's a little bit longer than your average bike, mm -hmm. and uh, so they let me put it right in the lobby, which really surprised the heck out of me. I was like being apologetic for taking up half their lobby mm -hmm. and everybody in that office and the, and the, the, the other patients and everybody were all like hundred questions mm -hmm. asking about it. And they were just drooling over it and really just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And, uh, yeah. and it is, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's not a fast bike. 
you know, by any stretch of the imagination to haul and stuff, but it's, uh, it's certainly a, a useful bike. I, w- I want to talk to you about your blog. Okay. Um, is, are, you, are you a blogger? No. No, yeah. I'm, I'm a very square, mainline broadcaster, basically, is what it comes down to. But uh, I got really passionate about, about commuting, and so I started, I, I basically, my version of blog is like Facebook, you know, and, and, and talking to my friends and whatever. And we got an internal version of that at work uh, for just kind of shooting information back and forth kind of in real time around and around the station work, you mean kcrw at kcrw yeah and so i started leveraging that and started putting out a little thing every day about you know bike week's coming up here's a video that you might want to want to pay attention to here's some things that i had to overcome as far as getting off my butt and getting on the bike to get to work and some things you might want to consider and this that and the other and a gal named kajan uh Cermak, who is our our afternoon uh board op and also does our uh, traffic reporting she uh was reading that and was saying you know this is perfect for a blog because she has a blog called shortcuts on there and uh so anyway uh, we just went and repurposed a little bit of that and i did three this last week trying to just in a hurry basically to get people on on the bike so the first one was a little bit about my story Second one was a bunch of fun videos on uh, to kind of motivate people, and then the last one, which you Nick was just having up here a little bit ago, was on uh, you know some of the issues for people who have just never been on a bike. For the people who are listening to this show, I'm sure it's all old school stuff that you've all dealt but with. It was so it was like from it was so thorough, it was so basic and specific, and like every it was the clothes, the helmet, the checking your bike, the. What and else? don't take it too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, at least that's that's the thing. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm an engineer, so you know, I'm, I'm always like working off checklists and trying to make sure everything is perfect and whatever. And I know a lot of the people out there who want to do stuff, and they just, if it's not all 100, percent they're not going to go for it. And this was kind of like, well, okay, so think about this, think about that, think about this. Make sure you, you know, Google Maps. Nice, nice, easy way to, to go ahead and use the bike selection because a lot of people don't know about that. That sort of popped up here, I think, in the last year on that on that front. And um, you know, just don't don't be perfect. Just try to make it so work. You, this is just one of your interests. You also <laughs> play underwater hockey. Yeah, what? yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, underwater, underwater hockey. hockey. I helped. Uh, I, I stumbled on it almost twenty years ago and uh, helped form a club here in L.A. Uh, puck is made out of lead. Puck or is made out of lead. It's about three pounds. Uh, it's coated in the either Teflon plastic or sometimes they make them out of brass. And uh, we got little handheld sticks that are about a foot long, painted Scuba, black and white. Snorkeling gear. Snorkel. It's okay. all snorkeling gear played on the bottom of the pool. Goals on each end, uh, six to a side. We to divide up into black sticks and white sticks, and uh, pucks dropped in the middle, and uh, we go at it. That's funny. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the KCRW crew. Now, are you encouraging people from KCRW to ride to work? Yeah. I mean, do a lot yeah. of them have that we, opportunity? We actually, we actually have, I think there's about eight people right now out of a staff of about 60 who uh, are riding back and forth on bikes. Do most of them live in the area? Or are we? I would say within, I'm, I'm about six miles out. Um, I think the furthest is about 10. Mm-hmm. That they're riding because six miles is actually a big deal to someone who hasn't done it before. Exactly. Well, it's a, as you can see, I'm not exactly the most slender uh, uh, guy either, so I come in pretty sweaty and whatnot. And we've got showers and, and and places we can hide the bike and all that, so it works out pretty well. Now, one thing is that there's car talk on KCRW. No, when, it's not on KCRW. Uh, it's not. It's on KPCC. 
KPCC and, oh. K, and KPFK had another yeah. version of yeah, talk version. Car, car car talk beforehand. But yeah, no, oh, okay. uh, we 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 carried it many years ago. Okay, and okay, it. After the the NPR structure, there's three, you know, all things considered, morning edition. Those are their signature shows. Car Talk is number three, and the stations pay per listener, uh, not per listener, but per Arbitron audience size as to how much the, you know the dues are going to be. And Car Talk is the, is the third most expensive show that they that the stations have to pay for because it's one of the more popular ones that that people like to listen to. Uh, I see. It would be cheap would be bike talk would be bike talk would be really stuff. cheap, but we'd have some work to do here. Yeah, any <laughs> any chance of getting something like not necessarily bike talk, but maybe something like alternate transportation talk or something that well, just something that encompassing encompasses more than, you know, Okay. Well, let, let me put it this way. I've been with the station for 30 years, um, and my job as the engineer is to keep the infrastructure working, uh, protect the signals, and keep it all on the air. Uh, I don't get into programming. That, yeah. That's not my, my realm of responsibility, no, so mean. I can't, can't spot. But I can say that um, I have been pushing for more transportation-type things, and the blog is one of our first steps. Well, we're, we're on KPFK anyway, yeah, which is... Everybody wants to be a pro. Hold on, hold on. I'm going I'm to fix Could this. Could we be on KPFK and KCRW would be the first show to <laughs> bridge the, you know, like. I'd love to see something on bikes going on on, K- on yeah, KCRW, totally. but. Uh, I mean, if they think it's too focused, maybe it could be something that's like green talk, like where it's like public transportation, you know, all these kinds of tips and tricks. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. Structure it's guy. outside of my realm of responsibility. But I guess we've, the way to we've say. got. You're the one we have in the studio. <laughs> yeah, <I so>. know. <laughs> it's kind of like for, beating up the on the street worker for Viagra. Uh, that, that's, you know? that's the argument. Everybody <laughs> wants to be a program when they hear you work at a radio station. They yeah. want a program. It's just like you, you know, you work at a TV station. They want to put on your favorite shows and stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I'm, I'm wondering. You, you said there, and I, I picked it up. You said, yeah, we we find places to hide the bike. I I we're just the opposite here. We like to show the bike and show that. So we get that comment. It's like, you rode your bike here or something? Well, it's not so much that, uh, that we're trying to keep it away from people seeing it. But, you know, the place was built 25 years ago. The studios were. And there weren't I any know. incorporation for bikes in the studios themselves. This, the college has tons of bike parking. Well, uh, see, tons and, that's, and tons and tons and tons. People... And we're on the campus of the college. But yeah. they also have a bike theft problem, too. And uh, so it's, it's safer if I can go ahead and squirrel it in the back room or something. Ah, I see. Now, uh, you, you bring something to light there. Uh, the university is not the radio station. The radio station is not the university. Because I remember when I went there, there was a big dichotomy about like, oh, you want to do radio? Well, this isn't the place to go. And I go, but I hear KCRW all the time or something. That's something we should just it, make it, clear It emanates out of Prop 13. Uh, back Absolutely. way back in the seventies, the college, uh, the Santa Monica College is, is not a university, but it's its own independent right. district. And uh, they had the station for a long time, doing a lot of talking head shows, uh, a lot of instructors uh, giving lectures and broadcasting football and basketball games, and that's what that was its history. Uh, Proposition thirteen had passed, I think, in seventy eight, seventy seven, something like that. And um, the college said, well, we like you, but we got to cut our budget, and so you're going to have to go out and raise your own money. And so that freed them from having to do the programming that they had been mandated on as part of the instructional wing, and the thing just grew you know, like crazy to what, what it is now. Um, but it's never been 
it hasn't been tied to the instructional program for probably over 30 years. And as such, uh, it's not that students or anybody aren't welcome. It's just that they're not going to go ahead and do it. And it's not tied into the instructional right, mission right. directly as far as a class. Um, I started there when I was 17 as a high school student and, and yeah. volunteered is, is how it worked out. And I've been there 30, June will be 31 years. <laughs> it's like your high school sweetheart. Almost. Um, so, yeah. Well, uh, let, let's get back to bike issues sure. here. Um, you, did you come here today on a bike? Or, or? Uh, <laughs> no, I drove. Well, that's I, all, that's I, I okay. Had, but, it, you know, everybody. I'm running a marathon tomorrow, and I had to go to our pickup in Pasadena. So. It's, it's funny because we always think that uh, we've been discussing about the, uh, the west side to the east side kind of uh, uh, sort of transit system that they're trying to, to do. And um, the, the uh, expo still hasn't been built. And in fact, I was going to show part of that as part of Bike Week. That was one of the highlights. The Expo about, Bike Path, yeah. About three years ago, we took yeah. it. And, and it's still sort of, they're finally going through testing and stuff. Do you find yourself that if, if you ever have to, you'll probably take that? Or is that something? Oh, yeah, definitely. Want? I'm very interested in, ha in that coming online and, and making that happen. But it, you know, the honest truth was I, was I had it all mapped out to come out here today on bike. And, uh -huh. and I'm running the Pastina Marathon tomorrow morning. And uh, I didn't really want to go. Which we ahead. thank you. I, <laughs> I, did, I just didn't want to go ahead and do all that, and uh, you know, and try to make the make the ride, and then try to do the run in the morning, and still have enough stamina. So, absolutely. Well, uh, we we commend you on that. Now, um, Ray, we're, we're talking about programming and everything too. But yeah. uh, as far as uh, a place to to bike, it's it's really nice to bike in Santa Monica. I, I know you've you've said that before. Um, bike paths, bike people, and stuff. Um, do you, bike month is coming up, but we haven't seen anything from Santa Monica they're doing. Do you think the city is going to change that, or is it just economics right now with being the home of the homeless? It's I think the city of Santa sure Monica sense. likes to tout a lot of their visitor and tourist attractions, and I'm not sure they have biking as their first and foremost uh, subject on their head. Um, that said, they have put a lot of energy into bike parking and facilities. But, you know, the city is one of these things where you go in and you talk to them about something and they'll respond in a lot of doublespeak. And it's a very bureaucratic place. Over the years, it's just gotten more so. And uh, we, when I, we, we broadcast the city council meetings and uh, just... Yeah. Dealing with city staff on trying to get the facilities, you know, when we have an issue or whatever, it can be really interesting because they have their ideas of how everything should be. And uh, if you come into their world and try to change that a little bit, they get a little, they get a little wiggy. Do you do you go to the do you interact with the politicians? At Not all? so much. No. In fact, uh, it's I, I, it's sort of like you when you were on when you were broadcasting live on KPFK, you did it from right here, right? So, so, yeah, so you had a link that went in the same kind of thing. We have a line no, 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 that goes no, no. from the council. No, no, we were we went in there. You were there? Yeah. Okay. Once, once or twice. Yeah. Once or twice. But, yeah. No, so it's all kind of remote control. We're, we, we carry it, but we're not down right. there. Um, all right. So hopefully you'll be more of a part of our show. And, uh, and you know, whether just as a contributor via your ideas and suggestions. Or It'll be fun if I still have a job yeah. after having said what I said today. Did you say something <laughs> uh, uncool? I, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I want to get to... Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you more about that. And uh, thank you for illuminating about Santa Monica and some of its uh, um, infrastructure. But, but uh, just because we, he's here and there's been so much going on this week in, in competitive cycling, we have Eric here. Eric, we're going to give you this one. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, like last week I mentioned, you know, the, the Grand Tour season kicked off with the Giro d'Italia. And, you know, Grand Tours are always something like really to get psyched about. And it's usually always a great thing for, you know, cyclists to take part in. You know, the organizers try to make Grand Tours as exciting for both the riders and the, peop the spectators watching. But what was really tragic about this year's Giro d'Italia is it kind of got off to a bad start with the tragic death of Walter Waylands on stage two. Yeah, that was that was pretty sad. But when you when you say making it more uh, acceptable, does that mean like uh, foregoing safety? Because I, I noticed uh, last year during one of the – was it the Tour de France where they all sort of – or was it two years ago they just said we're not going to race? Yeah, it was two things. years ago. They, yeah. they, they kind of had a little protest during the Giro because right. um, I think it was a Euskatel rider that fell and had to be airlifted over to the hospital because of his injuries. But, yeah, also two years ago during the Tour de France, the riders sort of protested, but it was because of radios, not oh, over safety. I, I'm sorry. It's radio again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it happened on stage two um, yeah. after when Walter Waylands died. Uh, reports say that it happened. He was in a breakaway, and it was during a descent. And he looked back to see, you know, what riders were behind them. And it seemed like his pedal hit a stone wall yeah and from there i guess it just like catapulted him over his bike and you know he just landed face first on the pavement and it was set at over like 90k an hour he died instantly they say you know he didn't suffer they spent 20 minutes doing cpr on him you know giving him adrenaline shots you know try to revive him and it wasn't until the helicopter came to you know um get him to the hospital but you know it was too late at that because he he died upon impact um stage three was neutralized in his honor you know there was no serious racing it was just riding for him all all the teams had 10 kilometers you know riding at the front and then um at the final well actually it was stage four my bad and then in the final kilometer david miller who was in the pink jersey gave the okay for the leopard trek team to ride at the front, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And they also brought along um, Tyler Farah, who was Walter Wayland's best friend, you know, and training partner. They both live in Ghent, Belgium. Uh, Tyler was really hit hard over his death. So they were given the honor to cross the line first, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And you, you could have really seen the sadness in their face when they crossed the line. The next day, they decided to pull out of the race. And so did Tyler because he said, you know, he just couldn't take it. It was too much for him. And, well, after, like you said la last week, if they were going to have the that gravel stage that they had last year, yeah. where Cadell Evans won, yeah, they, they brought it back again, but conditions were different than what it was it, last it year. Was, it was sunny and it was nice. Yeah, it was actually like a, a ride through the park or something. Yeah, but there was like a tremendous amount of dust that was given out by the riders that, that were riding through the through the stage because uh well of course you know it's gravel compared to last year where it was all like muddy because of the rain um but i mean you know the racing had to go on regardless of walter's death and you know we're it, it's getting back there you know yeah yesterday was um kind of the first sort of mountainous stage it was the shortest stage of the giro at uh 68 miles i believe when usually stages are 100 plus miles uh a surprise a belgian one belgians are not really known for their climbing more than they're known for their classics pedigree yeah by half yeah, a by, wheel yeah yeah over roadblock by half a foot over michele scarponi which seemed like he was really gonna take it over but you know omega farmalato's bart de clark you know really 
And he wasn't even accelerating towards the final meters. I guess, you know, he didn't have any more in the tank. And he was just, like, just pushing on the pedals and see what was going to happen. But eventually he made it across the line. Someone that, that I really think I should mention right now is the Frenchman, Christophe Lemavel. He's not getting much attention, even though he lies five seconds behind the general classification. Absolutely. And I got no idea. I mean, even when they pass it on Universal Sports, when they pass the general standings, they don't even put him there. I guess they're not really considering him a, a threat towards the general classification. I think he looks good for a top 10 spot right now. Uh -huh. And the course can suit him because he's not the, vet, the best time trialist. And there's not many time trial kilometers. And it's more pretty much climbing. The thing is... We're not so sure how he's going to face up to the climbs against, you know, Joaquin Rodriguez, Alberto Contador, Michele Scarpone. Well, it's funny because uh, you mentioned Contador. He, it was like I, I caught a bit of it today before I came in, and, and they were they were touting the fact that Contador almost, like, uh, came up the, the – I guess it was a summit finish today before uh, – Well, it was – um, uh, It was a pretty flat stage, you know. They, they the, were thinking, you know, if the sprinters teams were right. going to, like, put the gas on it, it was going to end up in a bunch sprint. But there was this little sort of climb towards the end. Not sure how steep it is. I think it was like around 5%, and, um, which really seemed like a good catapult for, you know, a good attacking rider to, to, you know, launch an attack for the win. Um, I looked at the, the results, and I really wasn't sure. I'm not sure if it was a Geox rider or a rider from the Farnese team, but... Alberto Contador came in second. I know. Yeah, that. he came in second, and it was it was kind of funny. They were making more of second place than they were of the, the winner. That yeah, that's day. how that's how usually some teams make it. You know, they yeah. they they make such a big deal over like a top ten or a top five, other than right than a first place. Uh, and I don't know how, how much more time I got, but I also want to yeah. include yeah, go the ahead. fact that um, tomorrow the Tour of California starts. Absolutely. Yeah, it starts over at Lake Tahoe. The organizers have been a little worried because they said that they might expect snow, so they may have to make a little changes over to Stage 1. Uh, this year's Tour of California, I remember when the Tour Down Under was, was around in January, how I explained that, you know, many people don't really look into those races because it's the stages are just dead flat and every stage ends in a bunch sprint so you know the organizers are trying to make it more interesting by adding you know more climbing trying to make it more yeah I, european and absolutely and there there even uh some of the things now there there stages that some of my local friends are saying hey we got to catch this because this is uh it's uh, yeah I, there's I definitely think... a bunch of hype over this yeah. year's edition you know the the time trial was brought back to solvang as opposed to last year when it was here in los angeles right um Michael Rogers, apparently, the defending champion, isn't going to be there because he says he's sick. But um, his absence really won't make that much of a difference because the field this year is so packed. It, it is. And um, a lot of know, people are figuring, you know, let's do California instead yeah, you of have, um, doing, doing Italy. And the, the course for the Giro this year just seems to be grueling in some yeah, and respects. Yeah, and like I said, most so of So many the, summit finishes. And it's, yeah, they're, they're crazy. They have they're like going seven up, or eight. And they're going up to – tomorrow they're going up to uh, – what is it, the top the of Mount, that volcano? Mount Etna, which erupted <laughs> Twice? somewhere this week, so they're kind of a little worried <laughs> yeah, about it's what's going to happen. I don't know. It's like now you have to face lava flow. Yeah, so I mean, for the people that, that, that don't see bike racing as exciting, a volcano erupting. This is the day. Tomorrow, get up early and check that out. So. Yeah, so, you know, Tour of California and the Giro d'Italia, two, two races that are going on. Pretty big races, you know. The California is the biggest race here in the in the States, and Giro d'Italia, of course, the biggest race in in Italy, so, you know, something to look for. The Giro d'Italia is going to be 
broadcast it usually in the morning. Again, you can catch it at Universal Sports every other hour, it seems. Yeah. Um, and the Tour of California is going to be on Versus. I'm pretty sure the same way every other hour. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So you could be a couch potato and still day. be a cyclist. Yeah. <laughs> Especially during the winter, but you know, during yeah, the winter, there, there's not much racing we, going on. We recommend that you you don't watch TV all this week and get out for some of the uh, the, the bike week events. And uh, we we're we're gonna list them more, but uh, you'll be back next week with week three, I guess it is. Week, week, two, week two, week two, and week two yeah. Kind of topping off with the Terra Cal- California is and just week one of the eight weeks. The tour. So you know, yeah. Kind of, it's probably going to be the penultimate stage on a Saturday. And, and of course, we have some religious programming in the back from our, our people outside of the corner with the bullhorn. I think Bike Talk is getting ready to uh, play play the music now, right? Yeah. All right. Steve says this is the end of the world. And, of course, as we know, we have a whole year, so don't panic. 2012 is, I guess, the end of the world in the Mayan calendar. I like to think the end of the world is only when gas gets to be $20 a gallon. No. It doesn't really matter because we're on bicycles, right? All right. Kill Radio. You, you can ID it and play the music. Um, bike Talk at kpfk.org. Livebiketalk at gmail.com. This is Kill Radio. And we're out. Thank you for uh, all the people who called in. We had uh, the Tom LeBonge interview, which was pre-recorded. We had Colin Bogart. Uh, from uh, LACBC in Glendale. We had uh, Steve Herbert. We had Roblox, a.k.a. Don. Jim Brown. We had Jim Brown from the California Bicycle Coalition. We had Mauricio from, who's, who has his, from, for, well, no, but Mauricio was from uh, the, the Mountain Biking League uh, from John Burroughs High School in Burbank. And we had uh, Ryan Jenkins from Troy who rode his tall bike to Toronto. <laughs> yeah. All right. Join us next week. Woohoo! I'm gay. 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 Gay.